What's up? This is Grindworks Podcast 5, and I just crashed into the table, and I watched the camera wiggle around, so that was a sweet start. Perfect. <laughs> uh, sitting here with uh, Jesse Herzog. Did Snow I say that on. right? Yep. All right. right. I wasn't sure, but it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, Jesse and I know each other through riding, but like other than that, we really don't know too much about each other. Yeah, um, I... I think I've only rode with you a handful of times, and it's usually just been like kind of at the wheel mill. Stuff yeah, like that. maybe so. once or twice out at Imperial. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Jesse lives about an hour away from where I'm at. Uh, not, it's not that it's terrible, but there's enough parks in the yeah. area and stuff to ride all around Pittsburgh that there's no need to go that far. Yeah. So, like, we know each other. I would say we're friends, um, but we really don't know each other that yeah. well. I think we're, like, I've always been, like, stoked with the whole Grindworks thing. Like, that's always been, like, like, it always, like, kind of hyped me up, you know? So, mm-hmm. every time I, like, see you guys, like, posting, like, like doing jams and stuff, like, like that's kind of, like, what I wanted to always do. Like, I always kind of wanted to have my own little crew and scene, you know? So, like, seeing you guys do it always, like, got me, like, pumped up, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, you've got your own crew too though like you've got your all things shred crew which uh it seems like it's pretty interdisciplinary as far as you're not just bmx yeah it's kind of like all over the board um when i first started it the goal was i wanted to make a website where like i post everybody's content like not just bmx not just Mm -hmm. skateboarding because you know all my friends kind of like did their own thing so everybody was like oh if you're gonna do it like you think you could put like my dirt bike racing videos on or my snowboarding videos on and I was just like yeah like I was yeah. gonna try to like incorporate everybody in you know but it just got like a little bit too out of hand there for a little while and mm-hmm. I feel like most of my friends were like just BMX riders so I felt bad because like I would be like out riding BMX filming something with them guys and somebody would be like hey we're going skiing this weekend can you come like get us like at Seven Springs and I'm like oh man I would but like, you know, I, I kind of don't really have that much interest in it. And yeah. it's like, if you, if you're providing the content, then yeah, I'll post it up all day. But if I got to yeah. go out of my way to do this yeah. filming project for you and I'm not stoked on it, yeah, it's one, not going to turn out well. And two, just going to take you a long time so to just get, get back it. to it. Cause yeah. you're going to go out and film it, not be stoked. So then you're Come not like home and you're gonna be it. like, ugh, not looking forward to this one. Yeah. Find any reason to avoid doing it at all. Yeah. And it'll be like a month later that you might put out a crappy quick <laughs> yeah. edit. And everybody's bugging you about it too. Everybody wants, you know, when are yeah. you gonna put it up? When are you gonna put it up? Yeah, and it's, you know? it's like, dude, I'm stoked to post it all. Yeah. But you gotta do the work. Yeah. Like you gotta at least you do the filming. At least get it to me, and then I'll. I'll edit it out. I don't want to do the whole the yeah. whole thing. Which, when I first started, it was like me and like three people. And the one kid was strictly into cameras. So like he just wanted to film, which was so awesome. Because he yeah. was just stoked that he had something to do. And to come and hang out with all of us. And like we were stoked that like we had somebody that would come film, hang yep. out with us. Wanted to do that. You know, he was just, and, and he was a really good editor too. Like we both kind of split up the editing. But I would say like. 90% of it was, was him with the editing. Mm-hmm. Like, I was kind of, like, providing him 
the people that could get him the content with me and all my friends. Yeah. And then he would be like, hey, like, what do you like about this? Like, do I need it? Do you want it to be with this kind of music? Like, kind of like set the vibe of like the like edits and stuff, you know? He yeah. would come to me for that, but like, he was an extraordinary editor. Like, it was really good stuff. Yeah, that's so, awesome. That was cool. Um, we had some stuff on, I think, Can You Dig It? When okay. we, we went to the Welcome Jam and filmed yeah. that, and it was like, there was only one other edit besides ours, so, you know, it got a pretty good amount of coverage, which was pretty cool. I yeah. was pretty stoked on that. But Yeah, that's yeah. cool. When that when that stuff works out, it feels good. Yeah. Um, when did you start doing that, though? Because, like, as far as I can remember, I've always seen ATS coming up, popping around a little bit. Uh, I only moved to the area in 2014. Okay. Like mid-2014. That's, mid that's about so. when it all started. Um, I was a senior in high school, and I took a TV imagery class. Okay. So I was with people that also liked all that stuff, you know? Yeah. And I had probably five or six good friends that rode BMX, and we just kind of got together and was like, I, I was always a guy that wanted to make the edits. Like, my friends could really care less if they ever had any exposure or if they mm -hmm. ever had a video of them ever online. But I always thought that stuff was cool, so I was like, let's, let's make edits, let's put our stuff online. So I'd say probably senior year is when I, when I started doing that, which okay. was in 2014, like halfway through the year, like December, January, or beginning of the year. Okay. And uh, at first, we really didn't have anything because it was – the wheel mill was just starting to like become a thing so we weren't really going there as much yeah so we kind of had to wait for the weather to get good did you still have i know there was like b cubed and there were some other indoor parks around um but i don't know when they closed relative to the wheel mills opening b cubed was a little bit before my time so i think b cubed had closed in 2010 okay and i didn't start driving Till 2012 so I never really got to experience be cubed all my like friends from my neighborhood that were a little bit older than me mm -hmm. they had all got to ride there because they all skated or rode BMX but I was always kind of like the outcast on that deal I didn't yeah, get to you go never, never got to go you know? on the fun little road I never trip. got to hang out with the older kids and go on the fun road trips and stuff you know <laughs> so I kind of got screwed out of the whole be cubed yeah scene. well I I never got to ride there or anything either I had taken a lot of trips to Pittsburgh in the past. Okay. Um, here and there with a couple of friends. Never really thought that I would be moving here. Mm -hmm. It was never like in, in the... my plan. I never considered it. But through various opportunities, here I am. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in any of those trips, we never... Never hit on cubed Wrote a lot of, like, voice. Okay. Uh, Sheridan a lot. Did some stuff like that. Never went to B-Cube. Yeah. Uh, got a session hooked up at Pipes at one point, so we got to ride there. Where was that place at? Was it in Export? Wasn't it kind of just a rollerblading and yeah, skateboarding it was, it was place? No bikes. That Yeah. But we did get a session hooked up there. What was that place like? Was it like pretty sweet? It was okay. Um, it was a weird layout. They had two and a half bowls okay uh and they were connected by spines 
Oh, that's pretty neat. So you could like kind of like do the the peg stuff in, go yeah. on the other well, side. Well, I mean, the, the only time I was there was to ride, and yeah. they were like, you know, it was kind of a private affair. It was after hours. They let us in, and then they're like, ah, don't, no, you know, no pegs, don't don't grind that. And you're just <laughs> like, at that point, you're like, oh well, kind of like destroys the here whole ordeal. For? Yeah, but. Yeah, they didn't even like us riding in the bowl. Yeah. And, like, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, it was one weird bowl, another long weird bowl, and then the other spine out went to, like, a three-quarter bowl. Okay. With one open side that flowed out to a cool hip and then, like, a pyramid on the other side of the park. Okay. So there wasn't, like, too many, like, ledges or, like... There, there were ledges over the pyramid. Okay. Uh, but that was really it, yeah. Yeah. It, it was not, well, there was a whole outdoor section that I didn't ride. Really? I didn't even know, I thought it was just inside. It was outside, quote unquote. Okay. You know, it didn't have walls on it, but it was covered. Okay. So So, so it was kind of like a pool building in a, in a sense. mm Mm-hmm. Nice. But, I mean, it, it was cool looking, but yeah, we didn't end up riding outside there. Yeah. Have you ever rode anywhere up north? Like, have you ever rode, um, like, any of the towns, like, Beaver Falls, Rochester, Alcope, Ambridge, anywhere up in there? Like, up northern... Like, up the like Ohio North- River, like, kind of like where I'm at-ish. No, not really. Uh, Which, it's so crazy to me, because the skate scene is so big. I mean, big. like, uh, Butler, but... Okay. That's I've like- actually never rode Butler, and I'm actually decently close to Butler, Butler has a pretty fun, haggard, sketchy park. I, I think I've seen uh, uh, Josh. What's mm-hmm. his last name? I was for, uh, Geyer. Yeah, he rips that place. Yeah, I always see time. him riding it. But other than that, I don't think I see anybody else. Um, the scene up there is a little bit odd. Like you show up to the park and there's ten or twelve people all there. Yeah, like hard, but they're hard locals. all just sitting on the bench not riding or skating okay so it's just kind of like a hangout spot it's just a hangout spot yeah and then like occasionally someone will ride yeah You're, i don't know it's kind of like not my scene i feel like yeah. that's a bummer to me if i show up somewhere and everyone's just sitting around just kind of just... chilling and stuff yeah well i don't care if you're like hanging out and i don't know but if there's just... like nobody there to like actually it's, push each other it's just a weird vibe and that's all i can say about it yeah it's always good whenever you have like a bunch of your buddies go with you if you can get like five or six people at a skate park together and you just yeah. start messing around start telling each other hey why don't you try that you know yeah i think that's whenever things start to like happen but like, i like going up there and riding with josh occasionally yeah i like riding with josh in general but yeah i've actually never even got the ride with him yet i don't think but he's uh sometimes he's elusive <laughs> Yeah, I've, I think I've seen him ride at the wheel mill once or twice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the only place I, I ride in the winter. Yeah. I don't really hit up anywhere else besides maybe raise once or twice a year. Yeah, well, and it's but, funny because you're pretty close to Wedgwood, too. Yeah, decently close. And I've only been there once to ride. They just tore a bunch of stuff out. I, they were yeah. posting it on their Instagram and changed some stuff up. It looks pretty cool. Anthony Paleni, I think that's mm-hmm. how you say his name. He occasionally rides my local... So, like, I kind of met him a few years back from there, yeah. and he's always been, like, 
pretty cool, like, mm-hmm. with us. So, last time I went to Wedgwood, he wasn't there, but, like, a lot of the people he rides with was out there. And that scene's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of them dudes are, like, super legit out there. Yeah. But, like you said, they had everything torn down when I went, so it was kind of, like, hard to ride everything. They yeah. just torn out that spine bowl, and I was, like, real excited to ride that. Yeah. And it was gone, so I was, like, super bummed out. Um, it wasn't that good. It had just a couple of things weird about it. And yeah. At that point, that's all you noticed when you wrote it was like like the little imperfections. On yeah, it. and like it's hard to not just notice that. Yeah. And then you just kind of bummed on it. Yeah. And I mean, it, I always had fun when I was out there, but the spine was not what I went there to ride. Yeah. I actually just ignored it after the first time I rode. Did you just it. ride like that, like section on the side with like the uh, thing's got the plastic jersey barrier and the euro. Uh. I think there's a couple a little bit there there was a lot more movable stuff at one point now okay. they've kind of adjusted a lot of stuff so you were probably there next to the like by the vert wall okay there was a bunch of like pyramids and okay up down across, across ledges i think so they pulled that pyramid out and moved it over on the wall where the three-sided pyramid was okay and then Built another box jump in there, but oh, so whenever you go from the the vert wall, it's like that. Is it that step down box jump? I think it's kind of like a step down. Uh, yeah, maybe. yeah. But now they just gutted some of that and built like a. It's like a sh- short and long box okay. with a wall ride on top of it, and okay, it looks cool. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would go out there more. It's just kind of a weird way for me to get out there. Like, there's no... I can't just, like, hop on a highway and go out there. It's almost like I got to take back roads the whole way there. And it's usually just Unless you want to take the turnpike. Yeah. And for me, that's kind of like... I have to, like, backtrack, hit the turnpike, and then go. So it ends up being, like, just the same amount of time, you know? Yeah. But I usually don't... I usually don't try to take the turnpike unless I have to to go out that way. I'm always psyched on... Like, they're open really late. I think they're open till midnight every night. Okay. But I can't stay out there till midnight. Yeah, I won't get and it comes until, all the way back to Monroeville. I won't get home until 1.15, 30, yeah. and that doesn't include, like, when you stop and grab a snack on the way. Yeah, and you, you grab gas some food and, and all that good stuff. All of a sudden, it's 2 o'clock when you're rolling in, and you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've always, like, thought it would have been cool if I could have at least made my own little DIY spot or something mm-hmm. that I could let people could ride because the scene up north at least in my part is it's like dead if I go to the skate park I'm the only BMX mm-hmm. rider there if I'm riding around town very rarely will I see anybody else hitting up like some of the street spots you know yeah so and it sucks because like whenever I was really pounding like when I was really like grinding away with the all things shred stuff it was starting to come around which was cool for me because I was like, I felt like I was like accomplishing what I wanted to do, which was show everybody how cool riding BMX is. You yeah. Know? And I would show up at the skate park and people would recognize like me and my friends from that and be like, hey, like, when, when are you guys going to be riding next? Yeah. And like, you know, like just all the local kids were like getting real pumped off of it. Yeah. And in the past two years, it's just kind of like went downhill. 
Well, you you reach a point where like, you've done a lot, and then you, you're like, all right, cool. I'm just gonna coast for a minute, or something yeah. comes up, and you need to take a break. Yeah. And it's real hard to put the momentum back into it. Yeah. Um, That's kind of how it was, man. Like my one, my best friend Jake got hurt pretty bad at mm-hmm. Imperial. He cracked his skull. And at first, I was not even in the park yet. I was getting my pads put on. And when I went in, they were all like, hey, man, Jake hit his head pretty bad. Like, we don't know, like, what's going on. And I looked at him, and he, he's not the type of guy that'd be like, oh, my head hurts. All You know, he's kind of, like, pretty laid back. And yeah, I was like, are you yeah. all right? And he was like, yeah, I think so. Well, about five minutes in, he's like, I can't hear out of my right ear. And we were like, well, then we need to go to the hospital. Yeah. As soon as we get there, he was bleeding out of his eardrum and they took him back and his parents got there by this time and they came over to me and was like hey can you take his truck home because they're taking him to pittsburgh like immediately because he's got like a brain bleed Mm -hmm. so after that he just like didn't want to ride anymore which i understand because like it kind of like toyed with him a little bit you know so like i lost him riding and then two of my other friends blew their acls out pretty bad Yep. So been there. So like mine's still connected, but it's torn. Yeah. And with them losing their ACLs and not being able to like ride, it's pretty much like my one buddy, he rides mountain bikes now. So me and him will still get out on like the slope style bikes and go to like yeah. seven springs and stuff. But it's not the same for me, you know. BMX yeah. is the only thing that I've ever really been into yeah i've i've had some fun getting out and riding mountain bikes Mm -hmm. but i've always felt like it's it's almost backwards for the way society perceives bmx and society perceives mountain biking because bmx to me is all about precision repeatability and control yeah you want to be able to do the same thing the same way over and over and over again yeah and mountain biking is only fun if you're almost dying yep it's like, like you have to have almost just clipped a tree before you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like it's kind of not my scene. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost like you can go so big on a mountain bike that it doesn't look big. Like something that looks big on a BMX bike, if you do it on a mountain bike, you have that little bit of leeway. Mm-hmm. So like if you hit, if you land something and there's a curb and you don't get your BMX bike over that curb and you're flying, it's gonna buck you right off of it. Like like you said, you have to be perfect. And on the mountain bike, if you were riding like a DJ in the streets or something, you have that little bit of leeway with everything. Like you can case something a little bit harder. You can roll over something easy. But on a BMX bike, if you're not perfect, it's going to like come back to bite you like so quick. Yeah. So. Well, and it's like, it's not fun to ride BMX all sloppy. Yeah. And it's not fun to ride mountain bike fully controlled, which I don't really know why that's the case. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it's because the bike's not that fun to ride. Yeah. It's like, I like it to a a certain point. Like, we go and, we just went to Snowshoe, West Virginia, over the summertime. And the stuff there was way bigger than I had ever hit before. So a lot of those guys were, like, towing me into it. So, like, for me, that was fun. Like, trying to follow somebody through this, like, super gnarly line and jumping down these giant drops. Yeah. But to just go out... And pedal around as much i like it here and there but i don't think i could do it all the time like right. a lot of my friends do but i bought my mountain bike just to go out and like ride along the river trail type stuff yeah exactly and i 
I hesitated highly at this this decision, but I was like, I'm just gonna buy a base level complete mountain bike. Yeah. And just ride the river trail with it. And as soon as I bring it home, my buddies are like, Oh, you got a mountain bike now? Let's go to the park. <laughs> Trying to get you instantly. Uh, Alright. Yeah, I just totally wasted the thing. And then my buddy that worked at the shop, uh, before I moved down here, warrantied every single part on oh, it. Oh, that's me. awesome. And it's pretty much all brand new, but yeah. it's still junk. So, like, I've got it. It's in probably in the background of the shot, but yeah. It, since then, I've just ridden it on the river trail. I've uh-huh. never gone mountain biking since I've had yeah. it down here. And the cranks are twisted again. Like, everything is shot. Everything's just, like, totally blowed out. I think the bars are bent down. No, I, uh... <laughs> there was a few guys... At Brady's Run, which is like probably twenty minutes north from me, okay, there's this like scene of mountain bikers that is like bigger than the BMX scene. Like those guys, like they go pretty hard, and they would call me all the time because like I'll go out there probably two or three times a summer. Mm-hmm. They have a couple lines built out there that are pretty fun. Like they, uh, the the park's pretty lenient on what they let them build because nobody really patrols it as much. I'd okay. say so. There's some like pretty good gnarly stuff back there to ride on mountain bikes that like not too many people know about them guys would come to me all the time and be like hey do you do you want to come help us do you guys want to come help us uh (laughs) dig and stuff and i i would love to go out and help them dig but like i only go out once a year and yeah it's not really like my forte to like mountain bike like all the time you know so yeah it's kind of hard to like balance it out because like pretty much the only thing i want to do day in and day out is ride my BMX bike. So, to go out, every now and then I'll go out and help somebody, like, cut a berm in or something, but to yeah. be out there, like, it's like I would get a phone call, like, every other day for the longest time, you know, and I just can't, you know, make it out there. feel bad, but, yeah. you know, how that goes. Yeah, before I moved down here, I was getting into it enough that we were going out once a week or so. I, we I lived like less than ten minutes away from the mountain bike trails though. Okay. So where are those? What? Uh, up in Jones Park and Vestal, New York. Okay. But we'd go out there for like an eight o'clock in the morning ride. Yeah. Go up to the top, ride down, maybe loop back up to like midway up the hill where the actual fun spot is. Yeah run back down again and then leave and it'd be 10 o'clock and then we'd go down to the skate park and ride BMX the rest of the day. Yeah. So it was never a full adventure for us. It was me and my BMX buddies that were going mountain biking. Going mountain biking. I wasn't like in it for the long haul with a crew of mountain bike dudes. Yeah. See, because like I feel like there's just so many different types of riding you can do on a BMX bike Mm -hmm. and like it's almost like the sky's the limit. And I feel like, for the most part, with the mountain biking stuff, you ride one really good mountain bike trail, and you've pretty much ridden all of them, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, they just get more and more, like, sketchy, I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah. You know, if you've ridden really good trails, um, you're kind of lucky. Yeah. Uh, we went to some place outside of State College. And, again, we were there for a skate park, but we took our mountain bikes on the trip. Because we knew there were some mountain bike trails. Yeah. 
And it was, I mean, boulders sticking out of the ground and kind of sharp ones. Yeah. All the way down this mountain. And I'm on like a hardtail with junk <laughs> forks. Yeah. And my buddy's on a dirt jumper. And we are not set up for this downhill course that we're on. Yeah. I mean, we rode probably 20, 25 minutes uphill mm. before we encountered any trails or people from, like, the parking area. Yeah. And it was on a dirt road, and someone pulls up behind us, and they're like, you guys must be new here. Uh, we shuttle here? <laughs> so you don't want to walk. Yeah. <laughs> so Everybody's just laughing. Steve like, drove us all the way up. up to the top. Yeah. And then... You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll get ready, and then you guys can follow me down. Well, he was got putting on all of his ballistic gear for his downhill run that he's about to do. Yeah. And, like, I had my half-shell helmet on. My buddy didn't have a helmet on at all. <laughs> Just sending it with no helmet <laughs> on, on this gnarly downhill trail. <laughs> probably looking, see, everybody's probably looking at it. It's so funny. Yeah. Like, you're an idiot. <laughs> And, I mean, we knew we were in over our head when the dude started, like, gearing up. Yeah, like, you start seeing guys, like, well, getting and, full like, body Well, and, like, you saw a bunch of people riding around, and he just kept driving past those spots. So, like, he was going up to the, the real run, not, yeah. like, the trails. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, whenever I rode Brady's the first time, my buddy had talked me into getting... A it was a hardtail GT. It was kind of like a dirt jumper. And he was like, "Oh, just just buy one, try it out. Like if you don't like it, you can always sell it." And I was like, "Yeah, all right." Because he raced. He would race the downhill series at like Seven Springs and like okay. do all the local races in that. So he's in the the scope of bikes that are like the cost of a car. Exactly. <laughs> so he was like, "If you don't, if you like it and you you think you can handle it, then go ahead and you know we'll." see if we can find you another bike that can handle like all the like gnarly stuff yeah and i think that the weirdest thing i've found with like bmx riders is is that we can take any bike and ride it anywhere and i feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of the mountain bike guys they need a certain bike like they always say they need a certain bike or a certain setup for everything and i was riding my my dirt jumper down the downhill trails i mean sure it was not the smoothest ride yeah, but it was doable. It, it's rough, you know? and your margin of error is minimal. Yeah. But. And my first, I used to go out, well, we still go out to this, uh, we go out to Dirt Fest every year. Okay. It's in Altoona. And the first year I went there, I went on my single speed down slope style bike. And everybody was looking at me like I was crazy, because it's kind of like one of those runs where you go downhill for a good bit, and then the rest of it's uphill for like three miles. So here I am on this single speed trudging through everything. Yeah, but that's what we're used to. Exactly. I mean, we could go like, out and ride around the city for hours and do a single speed hill climb because it's Pittsburgh. Yep. And it's not like we're going to just do it on purpose just to ride up this hill, just to ride up the hill. Yeah. But we could. Yeah. Or like, I know there was some dude this year uh doing that dirty dozen hill climb on one of the city on, bikes. yeah and by the way that thing looks fun <laughs> i think i'm gonna do that next year because i have a cheap road bike <laughs> and i was just i guess everybody like loves doing that because everybody like shows out and 
yeah. hollers and screams I mean, for all their buddies and all know, that. It, it's tough, but if you fail, like, okay, so what? Come back next year. Yeah. And I don't think anybody even cares. I think it's like, it just adds I mean, to the it's fun just of it. a challenge, yeah. If you go up the hill and you, you eat crap and you fall the whole way down, you know, everybody's going to be like, oh, dude, that was awesome, you know? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, but I couldn't believe those clips of the dude doing it on the, the city bike. And I think there was more than one guy doing it. Probably. Too. It's probably just I that think there one was like dude a couple, that was really killing there it. There was a couple people, I think, that did that. But. How did you end up getting into it? Because I know, like, you guys are, like, mainly, mostly street guys. How did you get into, like, into the whole street scene so much, opposed to, like, anything else? So, I actually started out riding trails. Really? For years. Before the whole street? Yeah, I mean, I just, I grew up with, my grandma's house was on the edge of the town trails. Uh-huh. So, her property bordered the woods that the trails were in. So, it was just kind of easy access to go So, I mean, I kind of grew up with it. I, I guess that's really the only way I can say that. I grew yeah. up with it. I knew all the people down there. You know, it was all that neighborhood, basically. Yeah. And then, um, as we carried on with, you know, building the trails, they were getting better, getting, you know, more fun, a little more flow. When I started going down there, they were more or less bumps in the woods. Yeah. You know, on the top of a hill, it was just a single fly yeah. out. You'd see how far you could jump. Yeah. And, you know, then we started making doubles, and then, like... I'd be building one side and someone else would be building another and you're like, why are these jumps going two different opposite ways? Like, why don't we flip one? Yeah. <laughs> Let's build a rhythm. Let's make so, it like, so you can actually flow it instead of it's a so giant dirt So at some flat. point, we had converted the entire place to be one long line that you could basically cut in and out of any jumper and hit anything individually. Okay. Or hit the whole line. So, so if you wanted to like take it piece by piece, you could... Yeah, you could learn spots of it. Yeah. So it was cool. Um, And then as I was getting out of, like I was, you know, starting to ride street. I don't really know when. It was once I was in, you know, late middle school to high school. Yeah. Was more or less when I started riding street. I started riding down in those trails, what I would call regularly when I was in end of fourth grade early fifth grade okay so i was still in elementary school and i was getting into riding and started racing too oh nice uh then never really caught into the racing thing that much yeah kind of hated it actually um only did that for about a year went back to riding the trails a lot probably just got better at riding trails and then was riding street more and more with my friends because like the trails were only a five minute bike ride from the like main drag of of our of town. town, and there was a bunch of fun stuff there. There still is a bunch of fun stuff there. Yeah. So when we would go down there, we'd ride trails in the morning, go down and ride street after it started getting dark. Yeah. And it would be an all day adventure, and then back to my grandma's house and bum a ride up to my parents' house from yeah. there, even though it was only like 20 more minutes of a bike ride and I've ridden all day. <laughs> and looking back, I'm like, why? Yeah. I like, just ride home. <laughs> yeah. 
but there were some other sets of trails up there too so we would go from one town to the next and they all had good trails yeah i think there were four or five good sets of trails at one point up there so you could just kind of like bounce around yeah and pick on what you wanted to get ride yeah that's now, cool. now there might be like one and a half okay good sets of trails I was always bummed because we never really had a really good set of trails. And I feel like I was always on the tail end of all the good things that were happening BMX-wise, like with our scene. Because I didn't really, I wouldn't say I started like really riding, riding until I was probably about 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And my neighbors were all older than me and they all rode. My one buddy's dad had like a little tractor and he had like a little bit like two acre lot in the back of his house and he would build like tape just like you know tabletops yeah little tiny like gaps and stuff and i would try to like do what they were doing you know and like every time they would build a jump it was like a gap way too big for me mm -hmm. and i would totally eat crap and then i would be like burn out on the whole dirt jumping thing so like yeah. my buddies over at the middle school which was only probably like a five minute ride from my house. They had these like flyouts, and that's all they were. They were like mm -hmm. these guys that had taken their dirt bikes, ripped it up a hillside, and there was just like a little tiny path. And I think that's honestly where I like learned how to do like ninety percent of my tricks that I still do now. Yeah, and that's like it. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, don't. I, I feel like I haven't. Pretty like, much the same. I feel like I've done the same tricks for the past ten years, just on a bigger scale, maybe. Like, okay, I learned how to bar spin there out of a flyout, basically. Mm -hmm. So then I took it to, like, you know, a box jump at the wheel mill. Or yeah. Something you, a little bit bigger than You that. just added structure. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I didn't really get to ride that many skate parks. So I was kind of, like, lagging behind. By the time I got my license, everywhere we showed up at, you could tell the people that had a local skate park. Mm -hmm. Because... My parents weren't going to drive me 25, 30 minutes to our local all the time, you know, because I think they thought it was more of a fad or a phase that I was going through. Yeah. And they thought, okay, well, when he gets a dirt bike or when he gets a car, you know, he'll yeah. stop. He'll, like, get out of it. I think my parents still think that. <laughs> and how long have you been riding now? Uh, I, I mean, fifth grade, I would have been probably, like, 10. And I'm 30. going to be 31 in a month. So, like, a good... 20 years of denial thinking that you're yeah. just gonna like eventually it's, it's leave. only a 20 year fad it's yeah. cool yeah now i think my parents know now that like it's embedded in me now so, yeah you know they don't they don't bug me about it as much anymore but but yeah so we had like two sets of trails and they were both kind of janky like looking back on it now i can't believe anybody died there because they were like super long gaps really steep lips but they weren't that tall so they would shoot you super high at a high rate of speed and if you case them <laughs> you were gonna die yeah it was like that kind of setup and there was a set of trails in beaver which are still kind of there but they're mainly just mounds of dirt at this point yeah and then we had found out there was a a kid in my neighborhood who was kind of like a bmx legend to us because he had like actually rode like everywhere like he could to us back in the day like if somebody could backflip or flare or bar spin that yeah. was like the like you were a professional in my eyes you know yeah and he would show up and ride with us occasionally 
like, because he knew that my neighbors had a couple dirt jumps, and he would he was kind of elusive. Like sometimes he would show up, awe everybody there, and then you'd never see him for another year or two. Mm-hmm. Well, when I started all things shred, he had kind of found out through like word of mouth that I was like doing it, and I was still riding. And he kind of hit me up and was like, "Hey man, do you like do you want to ride sometime? Like I haven't rode in years, but do you want to ride?" And I was like, "Yeah." And we went to the wheel mill, and I was like, "You never like skip the beat, you know." Like, just one of those yeah. guys that, like, can get, like, leave for 10 years, come back, and still be doing. Right. Versus, like, the occasional time that you take a week off, and you're like, I yeah. can't ride a bike anymore. Exactly. And he he was, like, pretty much a guy, like, pushed me to get back onto the progression again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, for the most part, like, growing up, all I had was the flyouts at the middle school a couple tabletops at home. And then I think what really saved my, my BMX riding was whenever I got my license and I could go to Brady's Run, Imperial, mm-hmm. and then when the wheel mill opened, yeah, that like, that was a big, humongous thing. Super solid then, because yeah. now you got year-round. Yep. Because I'm one of those guys, if I, if I would take a month off of riding, I would be so screwed. My consistency, I have to ride all the time to stay <laughs> where I'm at, you know? Yeah. And whenever we would go to raise twice a year and that was it, summertime would hit and I could like barely 180 or I could barely fake you down the street, you know? Yeah. And it's like, man, like this sucks. And the wheel mill saved like all that completely for me. So. Yeah, that's awesome. You see, I'm like the same way though with like those fly out trails and then we had the trails and then. I would say right after high school, when I was in college, mm. all my other buddies had kind of stopped hanging out at the trail. So there's a whole new generation of kids that weren't super motivated to learn how to ride the trails because they were not big trails. Yeah, like nothing special. The, so. Like they'd be the joke trails of any town, okay. but they were super fun because they they were just long and low, uh, nothing super steep. Like you could coast in from the road mm-hmm. and do the entire run and that was how they were that's like so like you didn't have to do anything you could just jump them yeah go down there all day long it was so fun and then like right after that when it was a whole new generation and i'm in college like i stayed in town mm-hmm but I didn't have, like, every night to go hang out down there and work and ride. Yeah. And I'd go down there on the weekend, and the entire set would be, like, cut off a foot and a half off the top of every jump yep. and turned into a sketchy, like, two to six-inch wide tabletop. Yeah. And you're like, what's going on? So you'd spend the entire weekend rebuilding your your set. Just for it to be... And then come back the next weekend and it was just leveled again and I just totally gave up on it. I'm like, yeah, I don't need this. You know, I'm perfectly happy going to the skate park or going to ride street. So why am I adding this headache to my life? Yeah. So I just stopped riding trails. Yeah. The the beaver spot that we had, it's a shame because it's the most perfect spot for trails. Nope. Nobody really goes back there to hang out. It's kind of like off the beaten path. It's nice and flat. It's right next to a creek. 
so you can get all the water you wanted. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that it's been there. It's like a staple in that town. It's been there for so long, and it's right next to like a set of softball fields. So like all these like young kids know about it, and it's kind of like yeah a middle school or high school hangout down there. I've always wanted to build a giant set down there, but I just know that if I did. I'd be so mad if I spent so much time, so much effort on that. For it to just get trampled on. For it to be some place where kids go and smoke cigarettes and cut big holes into the side of the lips and stuff. Yeah. You know, like, so I always kind of scratch that idea. But and like the scene for the street there is pretty pretty good too because it's one of the only towns around that's more flat. So two of my good friends started a uh, skate shop there. Okay. And they've skated the crap out of that town, and there's always like something going on, and they're like like core skateboarders, so like they're really into like no skate parks, just ride street, and they do some of the coolest stuff on like the most little setups that you wouldn't think that anybody could do stuff on. Mm-hmm. Like they'll wall ride this to manual to, you know, just like a nose bonk out on off a curb, you know, like just like mm-hmm. little jibby tic tac stuff like that and like yeah you watch it and I'm, I'm like man like that's like super sick because like this spot looks like it's like nothing but you turned it into like the coolest like thing so like yeah. i always try to like kind of emulate what like those guys would do because my street riding i could never ride like big stuff like mm-hmm. i was never gonna huck a 360 down a 12 stair or anything like that yeah but i always like finding transition in the streets like like banks ledges anything like that little like rails like anything that i could grind that wasn't over my like bar height was like (laughs) a-okay in my book yeah you know which is weird because when i ride transition it's like totally different i feel like i'm more balls at a wall when i'm hitting like like box jumps and quarter pipes yeah but in the streets i'm more like kind of like laid back i feel like it's the same thing of you know, you can roll up to a skate park and hit every handrail in a skate park, mm-hmm. and then you'll go hit, like, go out and ride street in the same, same exact rail. You're like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like sketchy. It's weird. And it, it, I don't know what it is. Sometimes the street is just like that. Yeah, I don't know what. But it that's either. what, like, you just gotta tell yourself. It's exactly the same. It's the same thing as a skate park. Just hit it. It's actually better. <laughs> yeah. My friend kind of did, there was a... But, I don't know, you just give yourself, like, this false sense of, like, well, this was made for this, so it's perfect. Yeah. And you disregard the fact that it's still perfect and made for it. Yeah. I, there was a rail that was a little bit out of my league that my buddy kind of coaxed me into last summer. Okay. It was, like, so, like, the setup was there was a sidewalk that ran, like, a little bit downhill, and then on the side of it was like a retaining wall that was probably, I don't know, knee, knee high. So if you could hop onto the retaining wall and then jump across the sidewalk onto the rail, and it was perfect. It worked so good. And to me, since I had that little bit of extra height from the retaining wall to yeah. hop onto the rail, I felt like more comfortable not having to like, use all my energy to get up onto it. Yeah. And, I mean, it slid, like, way better than anything I've ever rode on a skate park, you know? Yeah. It was like it was meant to be grinded. It was perfect. So, that was cool. But, 
I wish I rode more street, but I always feel like I'm like by myself completely. I never have like a crew I know to go mean. out with me. Um, typically, like sometimes we end up with a crew riding street, but for the most part, there's a really good long while where it's just Tyler and I. Yeah. And Brad's been riding a lot lately. Uh, so he's been out, but like I feel like some people have stopped riding. Some people don't ride a lot at all, yeah. but they're still around. And then some other people have just kind of like they just want to ride the park, and yeah. it's easier. Like I get it, but yeah. it's not really for me. Mm-hmm. Or they want to go to spots. Such as like MLK or Malayans or kind of like you're running like the mill, the profile spots yeah. where everybody's where been there's them. The basic, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to define. It's almost like spot, a state park, like in itself. Yeah, like it's just been such a staple as a spot for so long that like it's like okay, let's go to the MLK, which is basically AKA the skate park in the streets. Yeah, versus like just kind of hunting for something new yeah or riding something small for five minutes and moving on like mm-hmm. that's how i like to go ride street and it's hard to find people that want to go do that yeah i just rode my one my one good friend just moved back to ohio and he lives in east liverpool and that place is just absolutely ridden with spots or think it's yeah i think it's east liverpool i think so but he showed me all these like cool spots there's like this bank spot that it's an actual bank like not like a bank bank Mm -hmm. it has three stalls to go into like the atms but on each end of it they have these little tiny banks that lead up to like brick walls so you can just fly these things and just like hubbubica the brick wall fly off of it and then with all the separations of the like lines Mm -hmm. it's like a endless mani pad like you can manual this nose manual that yeah 180 manual this you know it's just like a fun little like jibby spot and there's like so many of those little crazy spots around that town yeah that's awesome and i was like so stoked on it because i was like the one to film and edit for the longest time yep and since i ride mainly transition i kind of wanted to make an edit where i rode a little bit out of my like i don't know rode a little bit out of my genre of riding so somebody was like wait a second i didn't know that he could do that i've never seen yeah him ride something like that before you know so like we were looking around and i was like dude we definitely got to come back here and hit some of these spots you know we could maybe get like an edit or something out of it but yeah I mean, it's a lot of good stuff. If you haven't done one in a while, just do like a quick day edit thing. Like go out there, film literally everything you do, whether you're like super stoked on it or not, and then just put it together. Because sometimes you'll get hyped on stuff later. Yeah. I know there's a lot of times we go out riding and I'll do some stuff, and then later I'm like, man, I kind of wish we filmed that. Like yeah. it, was, it was fun, and in the moment I was thinking nothing about it, but it was kind of cool. Yeah. And that sucks, too, because it's like, you never know when the last time you're going to do that is. Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many things that I've done that I wouldn't do now 
that I wish I had it on on film. Yeah. And I think it was like the summer of 2015. I bought an SD camcorder because I wanted that old school, like 90s, East Coast, grimy look to the video. Yep. And I was going to ride pretty much transition, but I was going to throw in a lot of the transition-y street stuff too. Mm-hmm. And I filmed so much stuff that, that summer on this little tape, and I just watched it like two weeks ago, and I was like, man, I would never do that now. Yeah. Like, what was I thinking? Like, that's so sketchy. Why was I Why was I even trying that or doing that? Yeah. And some of my friends even, like, I put up some of the clips on Instagram, like, on the story, and my friends were hitting me up, and they were like, dude, like, when did we do that? I can't even remember us. There was probably, I think it was like an eight-stair rail I ice-picked down, and I would never do that now. And I was just glad that I at least have it so I can, like, say, yeah. like, I did it, you know? Yeah. Well, so. see, that's where it's, like, funny, too. Um, I'm going to kind of direct the conversation a different way at the moment with that but it's funny to me with the edit versus a video thing too like you pulled your tape out and you would have watched that yeah and i don't feel like you're gonna go back and look for digital edits the same way no as you like come across your old video and you're like oh i gotta watch this right now yeah and that that was so cool too because just to watch that i had to dig out because i had sold my sd camera so i had to dig out and find some crappy old camcorder that i could shove this tape into Mm -hmm. it wasn't like at the palm of your hands like somebody whips out their phone and they they look at it you know yeah it's like that that coolness to it where you watch it and it's grainy and it's not like you're clicking on it you have to actually watch it the whole way through fast forward it if you're trying to like you have to like remember like okay i think the next day after this we were doing this so if it's that much farther ahead i need to fast forward yep. so much more to get to that opposed to just like you know scrolling through your phone or being on your computer and being like oh there's that there's that there's that yeah and just it all being in one is like kind of cool because you're just watching the whole thing through but well and to even um like the dvd thing you know it's cool when you find something but you catch yourself skipping parts mm-hmm. and uh i think it was Montana Ricky was talking about it where like VHS tape was the exactly where you wanted to be because you didn't just fast forward to the next guy's part. Yeah, you had you to just, watch the whole thing. You just thing watch through. the whole thing through. Yeah. And you get the video for what the video is worth. Yeah. And DVD you could start skipping, well I don't like Kurt's part, so I'm not gonna watch Kurt. Yeah. And then every time someone comes over and like, Hey, can I check this video? Yeah, but we're going to skip Kurt's part because Kurt sucks. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, you know, Kurt put just as much work into his part too. So. Yeah. And you kind of have to, like, try to appreciate everybody else's yeah. riding style, which I think I've learned how to do pretty well because, you know, I obviously trend, tend to ride more ramps and stuff like that. But have you seen the D-Walk crew from Canada? Yeah. yeah. Their mixtape that they made, like, five years ago, was like the sickest thing ever like all that little jibby street riding in there mm-hmm. and it made me so stoked to want to go i wanted to learn like i'd seen stuff on there and i was like i have to learn how to do that it looks so good and they filmed it with i i think they filmed it with a vx yeah and like to me there needs to be like a little bit more of that kind of stuff you know i, I feel like everything's too high definition now and like almost like cinematic i like to just 
the old school gritty boom 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 here it is yeah not like everything's all cinematic when it comes to editing it you know yeah i kind of like the old school feel i don't even like um personally a lot of b-roll like people will like to put um you know rolling through the city in between their clips and then a pan to the sky and after your trick you pan to the bushes and yeah you just fill your whole edit or part with b-roll because it's just kind of like a filler and you know i didn't buy your video to watch you you know the sunset over the city and the bushes and the flowers in your town like I just want the riding, man. Like, yep. bam, 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 tricks. Yeah. And it was like, I'm going to say mid-2000s when it was getting really heavily into B-roll videos and everything. Yeah. It was starting to bum me out. And now I look back and I'm like, all it was was capturing what they were doing at the time. Yeah. And what they were stoked on. Like, like kind of like just like getting people's personalities and stuff to show yeah. in the video, too. Yeah, and you need to do that. But then we've moved more and more towards, like, vlogs and stuff like that, and it's so much of that and so little riding, and I'm like, how are we going this direction? Yeah. And you know what what bums me out, And now we're in a podcast, there's zero riding. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just us talking, and there's not even cool scenery. Hopefully people are paying attention at this point. But, um... Probably not. I, uh... I always used to get stoked. Like, I think like the media has killed it so so much because you you just see it way too much. Like, I remember when I was a kid, the when X Games rolled around, that was like the biggest thing that could possibly ever happen. Mm-hmm. And the next day, you went to school and everybody talked about what happened and everybody was watching it because if you didn't watch it, then you were gonna miss it because very little people had. Like I know my parents didn't have anything to record anything back then with. I mean a VCR yeah other than that and like but even then they're like don't you record over my show exactly like, right, my I'm mom already had three episodes of friends being recorded probably <laughs> at the time so you know you had to actually watch it and pay attention and now and and like the hype building up to that kind of stuff like even with like like a BMX video the hype leading up to it like if you heard word of mouth that it was coming out yeah the instant it came out you wanted to grab it and look at it but now you got everybody on Instagram giving you little tidbits of information of what's happening like day in and day out. So by the time the video comes out, you pretty much know what the whole concept of the video is going to yeah, be. Yeah, well, and your your progression is so quick too, though. So you're watching stuff on Instagram, and every single day someone's one-upping the thing someone did yesterday. Yeah. And then tomorrow that's going to be one-upped by the guy that did it the first time. Yeah. And it's just going to carry on like that. So when you see every little baby step of progression, you don't get as stoked when you watch the final video. Yeah. And the last time you saw a part from this dude three or four years ago, he was at this level and now he's at this level. Yeah. And you're like, dear Lord, how are you doing any of this? But now you see it gradually happen. You're like, eh. Or, you know, like, certain certain people, you kind of watch that. Uh, I'll use Cam Gervin as a good example of this. Like, that kid is so good at riding, but everything he does, 
we all just sit there and we're like, should have just thrown another bar. <laughs> you could have done better. Yeah. And it's like, he probably could have for real, but it's not really the point and we're just being dicks to him. Yeah. But uh, it's funny in yeah. that sense. But it's the same thing. You're just like, the progression, you're seeing it all the time, so it's not really that impressive. Yeah. And Cam's one of those dudes, too, that he's one of those guys that can take a little bit of time off and come back and just be, like, the same or yeah. if not better yeah. than when he, when he, he, when he took off, tricks too. not on the bike. Yeah, like, he, like, spent some time thinking about a trick and came back <laughs> and just did it first try. Yeah, probably. You know? And then, like I said, if I, <laughs> I take off one time, I'm, I'm screwed. Yeah. Like, I went to Swamp Fest with uh, all the guys from the wheel mill over and i felt like so out of my league the whole time but it was cool because some guys were like super cool you know they kind of like pretty much welcomed me and let me yeah go on a trip with them you know so the whole time i'm just watching like absolutely crazy stuff go down and in my mind i'm thinking okay i need to step it up a little bit maybe like get somebody stoked on like some of my mm-hmm. riding you know well when we got there i got hurt like the second day of the trip <laughs> so my ankle was the size of a balloon and I come back, and I wanted to go back to work, and the doctors were like, eh, it's so swelled up that you can get compartment syndrome, and yeah, and you have to cut your leg off. And I was yeah, like, right, just get it all filleted open yeah. to relieve the pressure. So I was like, you know what, I'll take the time off. And I think before then, I was really getting stoked, because like riding with like like Mason Ritter and, and like Tyler Valenic and them guys, like yeah. that, makes, that made me want to ride like every day. I was like, I need to get like to a point where like I can like, actually you know be a little bit more impressive than i am now but then when that ankle injury happened i had to take i don't know maybe two three months off yeah and when i came back i I was just so frustrated because like my bike just feels so foreign to me i feel like my body just isn't used to riding and i just don't get how some people can i'm even that way with riding someone else's bike if i ride someone else's bike for more than 10 minutes i hop on mine and i can barely ride it yeah so it's like totally weird to me and i'll see some people go from a scooter to a mountain bike to a surfboard and hop on their bmx bike and be totally the exact same perfect you're like that like creeps me out i'm like i don't even know how you guys do that well it's actually easier to go from something so much different to something else as opposed to being so similar that you're like compensating for these little changes that do or don't actually affect you yeah. and in your mind you're making them act like they do and then you're like all right cool i'm at least back home and comfortable and then it's like yeah. your body is still compensating because it's minimal yeah uh that's i mean that's what i've seen i'd rather go from my mountain bike to my bmx bike than go from like a race bike to, to my, my BMX regular bike. bmx bike yeah, yeah. Because it's so much closer, and it makes it weird. Is your bike, do you ride your bike more heavy? Or is it like somewhere? It's somewhere in the middle. Uh, We've been talking about doing a bike check sometime soon, but I've never weighed it. Yeah. I haven't known the weight of my bike since probably 2003. Yeah, and you know, that's so funny because people will come up to me at the skate park, like, it's, like, the most frequently asked question ever. Andy, how, how much is your bike weigh? How much your bike costs? And I'm, like, I don't know. I don't put yeah. it on a scale ever. I, I, don't, I don't know. keep feel track it. of how much money I spend on it. 
it's just my hobby. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. And I'm pretty sure all my friends make fun of me so much because I'm pretty much all metal everything. Like, mm-hmm. I would never run plastic pegs. I'll never run plastic pedals. I always run brakes. I always have pegs on. It's it's always heavy. My seat's always super high. Yeah. It's almost like pretty much a mid-school build. And my friends are like, a lot of the kids I ride with are more park-styled. So yeah. they're always ripping on me for having, like, the heaviest, like, Cadillac of bikes of all time. Yeah, but you know what? They're probably also replacing parts left and right. And you're just like, I don't know. These pedals have treated me well for, oh, five years. <laughs> the past I don't four know. years. <laughs> that's, that's another thing, too, because a lot of my friends, I think they just do it because they like it. Mm-hmm. But they'll change parts out. It's almost like I can't keep up with what bike they have. Yeah. I see them one day, and I'm like, didn't you just have a completely other frame? And I usually keep my stuff for as long as it burns until it breaks. Yeah. Or unless it's starting to get, like, a little sketchy, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean... Like, forks, I try to change those out pretty decently. I mean, just but, keep keep an eye on them. If they're yeah. cracking or something weird's going on, like, then you just fix it. Catch them out or... Uh, that was the case for me the other day. I was at the wheel mill, and every time I've been riding recently, something in my bike doesn't feel right. Yeah. And if I'm riding, like, the box jumps, the whole back end feels like it's going like this. Like, there's, like, play in, like, the head or and the I hub or something? Yeah, and I, but it's not. There's no play in that. Um... But it's been the whole bike feels like it's just a little bit off. Yeah. And I can't pinpoint it to one part because the whole bike feels like that. Yeah. And as I was riding around the other day, I'm like looking and my bars are cracked. (laughs) Right next to the knurling where they're clamped to the stem. Okay. I'm like, oh. Well, that's probably why. I mean, they weren't separated, but it was about a little less than halfway around and I'm like that would be enough flex though could you feel it flexing in the handlebars or did it just feel like your whole bike was off the whole bike was off that's weird and I'm like uh alright fine yeah. I, I'm like I'm just gonna go home then and I'm not dealing with this right now yeah and then as as I was leaving I'm like you know what I know what I would order if I go home but if the wheel mill has it right now and I can stay here and ride another hour or something, I'm like, why not just buy it from here? Yeah. So I ended up with bars from a company I really don't like. Yeah. But a lot of bad experiences um, on a personal level, not a product level. Okay. But they were bars and they had them in stock and I've been riding. So what do I care? Like, hey, if they break, I'll just, you know. Yeah. Fix them or whatever. Well, I mean, they won't break. I'm not worried about that. Just don't particularly (laughs) care. Not super stoked. The company itself, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of like that too. I usually try to spend my money on stuff that's made in the U.S. mainly. I'd Mm -hmm. say probably like 80% of my bike is all USA made, you know? Yeah. And I try to like support companies that are about the rider. Like, that actually throw jams and do stuff for kids that aren't pro riders. Because to me, you can you can set, assemble a team of contest riders and send them out. But and that be like the reason that you get you know sponsorships money. Yeah. Or you could actually go out and 
be a big part of your scene and have yeah. contest riders on your team. Well, I mean, you got to get your you got to get people stoked. That's kind of the bottom line. Like, you know, some people throw jams because they want to be like throwing a jam or something, and then other people just want to build the scene. Yeah. And you can kind of tell the difference. Um, but as far as Where you're talking about it from a company standpoint, I would say it's the same thing. Are they throwing a jam just to hype themselves, or are they throwing a jam to get the local scene stoked? Yeah. And I think it's a fine line, and there's a little bit of gray area, because obviously you're not going to throw a jam and then whitewash your whole company name out of it and pretend that it's just the scene. Yeah. But the bottom line is, like, you know, why are you doing this? Yeah. And I think you're onto something there because if all you've got is contest riders, you just got to watch where you're spending your money. Because if they're yeah. not supporting your scene, I mean, yeah. there's companies all around you that are supporting your scene, either directly or indirectly. Yeah. Um, any of the companies that are supporting and sponsoring the wheel mill are a good example of that. You know, they're donating money, they're getting their logo branded on the ramps, whatever. And that is indirectly or directly, depending on how you want to look at it, supporting your scene. Yeah. Versus, you know, I like this company's products and that's who I'm going to run. Or I yeah. like their team and so I'm going to run the same parts as them. Yeah. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah. I'm kind of... I've always liked guys that... I always try to tell people, like, like a pro BMX rider, like, your sole purpose is to get other people excited about BMX. And there's been so many times where... I'm, I ain't going to name names, but I've met people that, like, I've thought were, like, the greatest people ever. And in real life, they treat the, like, common, everyday average joe like crap you know Mm -hmm. and i've seen people go like show up to the skate park like to me when you're when you're a professional in anything whether it be football hockey like your job is to interact with the the people that even if they're somebody you don't want to talk to even if they're annoying if you show like (laughs) there's plenty of times i go to the skate park and there's that super annoying kid that you know but but instead of me being a dick i could you know, kind of influence him in a way of being like, okay, well, this guy's pretty cool. Like, maybe I'm going to go buy the same frame that he rides. And then that, in turn, or, hey, I'm going to send this kid, oh, where do you ride? Oh, I ride at the wheel mill a whole bunch. Yeah. Send somebody to the wheel mill. It helps us see now. Yeah. But if, like, me personally, I won't buy things off of people that, like, there's a pro rider and I know he's a dick. I'm not going to buy yeah, his stuff. signature products. I don't think they've realized that, like, it's not their buddies that they ride with every day that's paying their paychecks. It's the normal, average, everyday kid that just hits flyout ramps or just jumps his bike somewhere. It's the kid that just asked him how much his bike weighs for the 15th time that day. Yeah. At the skate park. And your answer to that question can be whether you're turning product over left and right or whether that kid goes back home and goes, wow, so-and-so's a dickhead. Or doesn't want to even ride BMX. Yeah, yeah, totally turns them off from it. 
because when I was whenever I was younger, when when our skate park first opened at Brady's Run, it was mainly all skateboarders, and the only BMX riders there were all dicks, and like that could have totally ruined my if it wasn't for me just truly loving it and truly liking it. Yeah. If I was just one of those kids that like. Let's say I only ever rode for five years. That's still five years that BMX is getting some money out of me, opposed yeah. to somebody being a dick to me right away and me being like, okay, well, I'm not going to go ride my BMX bike because those guys are dicks. I don't want to go and show up and feel like I don't belong, you know? Yeah. So that's why I, I if, if it's going to turn around or if BMX is going to start making money, I feel like the, it starts with, like, who you have riding for you and how they treat people, you know? Yeah. So. Well, in your comment about already loving it, like, that doesn't happen the first time you go ride. No. Like, you go ride, and then your friends go ride, and you're like, all right, I'll come along again. And I think it's really hard to pinpoint, and I think we had this conversation on one of the past couple podcasts, but at some point, it went from something you do in your spare time to something you can't not do. Exactly. And I can't pinpoint where that was for me or no. when that was. But if that type of thing happens before you hit that point, yeah, it can turn you right off from it. And like, yeah. oh, this is not for me. Yeah. And even like I I had rode BMX when I was I had always rode bikes my whole entire life. Like from the time I was three years old, I we would race our bikes in the neighborhood, try who could do the longest wheelie. But mm-hmm. I didn't really start getting into it until probably like my eighth ninth grade year of school because i was playing hockey so in the summer times i was like mixing it up like i would yeah i would go ride like if my friends wanted me to go ride i would go yeah but then on saturday i'd be saturdays on the weekend would come i'd be playing hockey or like going out with my friends and going to the mall or something you know yeah. like just hanging out being a normal everyday kid but then like you said it's kind of, kind of hard to like remember when it started to be like okay i just want to only do this I remember, I do remember when I was playing like Little League or something that at some point I went from liking playing Little League to every single day I was at practice or every single day I had a game being like, man, all I want to do is be riding my bike. (laughs) I hate this. Yeah. Why did I sign up for this? Yeah. And I was the same way, like, because I snowboard a lot in the wintertime too. And I played basketball, like, all throughout middle school, a little bit into high school. And then it got to the point where all my friends were going on these ski trips, coming back with all these fun stories, like, all this stuff. Like, they had so much fun. And here I am, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just another person on the basketball team. I'm not going to – it's never going to be something where I'm going to take my career further with it. Like, yeah. You know, but I'm just doing it. But why? Oh, because that's, like, the common thing to do is to play a sport. But I was like – I can either keep playing basketball my whole entire way through high school, and then after that, it's done. It's over yep. with. Or I could go snowboarding, build my skills at that, and do that for the rest of my life, no matter what. Yeah, or, I mean, you can still go play basketball, too, but, like, not level, like a, at what level? Like, yeah, if like, you go to the YMCA and get a pickup game of basketball going... It's just another you're, game you're of pickup basketball. You're either at a level that's... 10 times above these players that you're with or they're 10 times above you and you're yeah. like it's really hard to group up with a pickup game that you want to take part yeah. in and like i always thought with like the 
the snowboard and the BMX and stuff like that, like I could always make videos and put out stuff and it it be like I don't know how to explain it. Like I'll always be able to put out content with that stuff. And with basketball, it's just like you know, it's just a fun hobby. Like I'd play basketball now if somebody wanted to go play basketball. But yeah. for me, it's like just a game of basketball. Like to me, snowboarding and BMX is like my life. You know. Yeah. And I feel like that's why I left that because I just always felt like going and getting to travel and getting to ride different places, meet different people. You know, a basketball court's always going to be a basketball court. Same with a football. Everything. It's it's all yeah. the same everywhere. But yeah, like, like you go no... ride somewhere, it's always different. Like, there's no need or motivation to drive to Chicago to, to play basketball. Exactly. Like, yeah. For what? Like, um, although, I, as far as BMX goes, I've always kind of wondered that with, like, Flatland Riders. Yeah. And that is kind of weird to think about. Because it is kind of, it is the same no matter what, everywhere. I mean, you might have, di- like, weird variations. But, yeah, if you find a really sweet spot there's there's something about BMX that it's not just the sport though it's not just riding and it's not just the tricks yeah it's it is the travel it is that b-roll stuff that I was talking about earlier yeah. that it's like messing around with your buddies yeah screwing I mean, around in the car ride there if you go on a road trip it's probably 70% not riding yeah. By the time you drive somewhere, get there, get there, hang out, do you know, do day to day stuff on top of riding. Yeah. I'd say thirty percent is probably pretty gracious for how long on a weekend trip you're actually out riding. Yeah. So, what makes that fun? Ninety percent of the time, I would say it's not the couple tricks that you got filmed. It's. Uh, the time you accidentally slammed a door in someone's face and yeah. everyone died laughing about it. Exactly. Or, or, you know, the the weird thing you saw on the side of the highway. <laughs> it's just memory. So, I yeah. mean, I do get it from the flatland side, but it's weird to think about it in the sense of, like, you know, what's the point in traveling for basketball? Yeah. I think half the time you're probably playing basketball with people that you don't like. Yeah, you know, there's maybe two people on your team that you actually like, and then a bunch of people that you just tolerate. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy to think about that stuff. I always thought with BMX that, see, my friends never realized. I think we always hit that one that one period where like we were like, are we even like legit enough to make videos or yeah. like are we even good enough but then i started thinking about it and like my friends really got bummed out on they're like dude i don't even like want to make a video like let's just ride and have fun because you know nobody's going to want to watch us riding but the thing is, is that it's totally untrue because to me just like i'll refer back to that d-walk video they made yeah nothing in that video that i seen was like completely unimaginable for me to ever do so like if I watch like a Red Bull video and somebody backflips down a stair set, yeah, that's sick and that's awesome. But it doesn't get me stoked to ride because I'm never gonna foresee myself in the future backflipping down a right. set of stairs. But like when I seen those guys, I was like I was like, man, that's like cool stuff that like I could possibly go out and like learn or try. And at my level, 
somebody else that's not riding at the same level as me can look at that and be like, holy crap, I could do that. Like, why don't I go out and give that a try and try to pick that apart? Yeah. So I kind of, like, just told everybody, I was like, just keep riding, because, like, as long as you're having fun and, like, everybody sees that we're having fun in the videos and stuff, it doesn't really matter if you're doing a 360 down a El Toro or, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just riding and people are going to like it, you know, for the most part, I'd hope at least. But. Well, I feel like it takes a little bit of time to figure that out. Yeah. You know, when you're real young, that is the case. You're looking at, you know, what are the top guys doing? And that's what you're comparing yourself against. And then over time, uh, this is a good example. I didn't like any of the animal or scapegoat videos when I was like real little and riding. And it, it's funny now because I'm like, they're so relatable. Yeah. And you can tell it's just dudes hanging out with their friends and they're filming their riding. And there's a lot of good riding in there. But some of the presentation and some of the the clips are like, yeah, anyone can do that. Yeah. And I think that's the point. Yeah. You know, it's more about using the spot and seeing the spot. Yeah. And it took a long time to appreciate that. Yeah. And now, like, I love those videos. I like watching those type of videos way more than I like watching anything else. Yep. Yeah. And that's a little bit skewed now because of the the presence of edits and the lack of video, like real videos coming uh-huh. out. Um, even like Ride just released their new project, mm-hmm. but they didn't put it on DVD. Yeah, that is a bummer. So it's kind of just a glorified web edit. Yeah. But here's the process that that'll go through. Say. You know, most DVDs, anyway, get released. They're sold for a minute. They're sold online as a digital copy. And within a month, everyone's part is online. Yep, it's on YouTube or Vimeo. Or... Why, why do that to yourself? Yep. And that's where, and, like, some of the money goes away at, too. Like, Well, no, because they're getting the ad revenue. Okay. But, but here's the way that I would look at that, and the, the way I do look at that. You have your initial boom where everyone pays you to watch that video. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm using the ride one as an example because there's not a DVD. So that peaks right at the beginning and then drops off drastically because if you didn't buy it right away, the chances that you're going to buy it are real low. Yeah. So once that's like completely dead, you know, two to three weeks later, drop Part A. Okay, here's some peaked interest. Maybe you sell a few copies. Yeah. In the meantime, you're getting your YouTube ad revenue. Drop the next part. Peaked interest. You know, sell a few more copies. YouTube ad revenue. And each part you release is probably selling less and less copies because people already bought the video if they cared. Yeah. But by the time all of the parts are released, then they'll release the whole thing for free. And then you can just watch it. Yep. So it's got kind of three times where it's cool. The initial release, then as each part comes out, then the full video, and then it's gone. Yep. I mean, 
I can't remember the last time I've been like, oh man, we gotta go watch so-and-so's edit from six years ago. Yeah. Actually, I can. Uh, Jason Levy. Okay. Uh, but that's part from a DVD. And it was in Aspire DVD. And Aspire Round 2. Had another Jason Levy part. But okay. those parts are phenomenal. Uh... That's about the only one I can think of. Yeah. Uh, nothing that has come out in that format. But the DVD one, to me, like, the second I see a company put the DVD out, I'm placing an order for it. So you can it, actually have a physical it, copy of it. It could be the biggest turd of a video I've ever watched, and I'm still stoked that I bought it, because they're creating something. Yep. They're doing something. It's the same way if I if I would make a video. Even if somebody didn't think it was going to be the greatest thing ever, it's still cool that somebody cared enough to be like, okay, I'm going to buy that. Well, and to some degree, when it comes down to, like, you know, you making a video with your friends, who's it for? It's for you guys. Yeah. You know, if other people are stoked on it, that's cool. But the reality is, if you're a little kid and you want to make a video, do it for you. Do it, whatever you're stoked on at the time. Because, like you said about some of those clips that you found on your camera, you might not ever do that again. You might think, oh, I'm just going to get better and better. And the reality is sometimes you don't. Yeah. Sometimes you can just play it off and at the end Or you just take a left turn. Like, your riding can be going in this direction, and all of a sudden... You get more into riding skate park, and you just go, eh. Yeah. And then all of the handrails you've been hitting, like, you might never hit another 12-stair rail again, because yeah. all you've been doing the last 10 years is riding skate park. And it's, you never know when those things are going to happen, yeah. when the last time you'll ever do something is. I feel like that's kind of like how, like, Ruben, like, Alcantara was, too. Like, he was, like, super techie, and then all of a sudden he was doing these crazy giant wall rides everywhere and then got into riding like only bowls and like before he was super techie he was a contest rider see i like like late 90s and whatnot you you can find like old clips of him like double like whipping a like, box jump or something like, like just that. contests and stuff contest and like his riding like outside of that is just so creative and like really kind of like pushed like i feel like that was one of the like i think it was the forward video that mm-hmm. got everybody super yeah hyped up they're like whoa like stuff's getting big now yeah and he also had a really good part in an old mcneil video i think it was self-titled okay uh then the one with the really big wall rods that you're talking about would have been that next etnies video grounded okay think was the one that had all those huge wall rides and he had a bunch of good stuff in a fly video at some point too yeah but that's that stuff to me is cool because like you never know what to expect yeah like somebody that like can go and ride everything but like the style changes over the years like i doubt in the next 10 i, I feel like in 10 years from now i'm probably not going to be fucking myself down any stairs you know I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that in 10 years. But my riding might, I might get super into just riding minis or something or just riding bowls. Yeah. I have no idea. Right now, I try to like ride a little bit of, try to dabble around in everything at least, you know? Yeah. 
and you know with that I'd like to make a video soon but it's hard to get anybody that wants the film and yeah. I think Tyler talked about that too about how hard it is to get somebody you know whenever you're trying to balance out riding having yeah. fun and filming and yeah. being kind of serious at the same well, time and and if you're the one like you were already talking about hey come to Seven Springs film us skiing and you're like I just want to go ride man like yeah. I, I just because I enjoy filming and editing projects doesn't mean I always want to be filming and editing projects yeah. I like to just ride too and that's it's hard to balance that because if everyone sees you always out filming then it's it's easy to just forget that you like to ride. Yeah. Especially whenever everybody kind of like labels you as the guy, you know. A lot of my friends would want me to make something, but they don't realize how much like of a headache it could be whenever... Because I would get excited to make anybody a video. But yeah. it comes to the point where like when you're sitting at your computer and you're trying to get something to work right and you're spending so much time trying to get you know, maybe a trick synced in with a song or, like, trying to figure out what song's going to go right with the vibe of the video. And then there's, like, always little editing mishaps and disasters yeah. that happen along the way that you have to deal well, with. And then, I mean, playing into that problem of timing is, I'm sure you've seen it a bunch, from people that don't film a lot start filming too late and stop filming too early. So... Yeah you don't have any run-up and run-out to play with, too. Yeah. You're like, man, I need I need two more seconds of this guy pedaling in at this yeah, full for speed it to link up right. for it to work good. Because there's no clip I can drop in there without it being rushed. Yeah. But, yeah, like, sometimes you just need a little bit of pedal time or something. Yeah. And it's real hard to get it. Yeah. I always hated whenever you have something like the setup is like kind of a quick thing. Mm -hmm. So instead of stopping it, just letting it go, just keep filming until they get it, which is sometimes nice because if it only takes them five tries, you can just watch it through, slice it on both ends wherever you want it and be done. But if it's one of those tricks where it's like starting to take the person a whole hour to get something, then... You have to delete, cause see me, I don't like to delete stuff right away on the camera, cause I, I feel like it takes anything. too, it takes too long, you know, to do all that. But then you have this <laughs> giant load to just look through, and like you, like I said, whenever you have somebody that really wants you to make them something, they don't realize you have to go through and look through every little bit of information. I have probably every clip that's ever been filmed from two thousand on. Jeez. I couldn't even imagine looking through I, that much stuff. I don't delete anything. And I had a really hard time convincing myself to go to any digital format from tapes yeah. for that reason. Like, I wouldn't back up and erase or film over a tape just because we didn't land something. You just threw a new tape in. Yeah. And then you had, you know, maybe four tapes of someone trying the same trick. Mm hmm over the course of five days or something and you're like yeah. that was absolutely ridiculous I can't believe it took you that many tries but you've got them all and the catalog of that alone is hilarious yeah 
And just having that too, because like you can always go back. And if you say you're slow on content and you don't have anything to post, you can always kind of go back through and be like, okay, I'm going to make a crash edit or just... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an edit to make this dude feel like a total idiot. And I'm going to put every attempt in one go. Yeah. And then then the landed one all the way at the end. Yeah. But I know that they did that at one of our uh, HCS skate park. In one of their videos, the end was like, I think after the credits, it's 300 and some odd tries at someone doing like a tail slide or something down a oh, ledge. Man. Or it some sort of grind on yeah. what should have been a basic grind on a basic setup. And it just did not work. Yeah. And it was multiple days and a hundred, couple hundred tries. Yeah. I think it was 300 something. Jeez, oh man. I couldn't even imagine trying something that, that many times. It's long drawn out and not really that funny after a certain point yeah but videos miss a whole component when you've got your riding sections and a crash section they miss the frustration yeah and we've also done that in some of those hcs videos um the guy that edits them mostly loves to do kind of weird stuff like that so yeah He's got a couple parts that are just frustration sections, and it's yelling at your bike, throwing a skateboard yep. at and the everybody ground. Everybody always and, loves seeing that. Like that's and, always one of the funniest things to watch. Well, especially when it's like not even a crash. You know, you land and you roll out goofy, and you just scream because it's not how you yep. wanted it to be. And I like to put that stuff into my videos too, because I always try to kind of keep in mind your average Joe watching it that doesn't even watch yeah. BMX, they're going to watch it and be like, okay, that's cool. But like after a while to like a person like that, they're going to start perceiving everything as like kind of the same. Like, mm -hmm. so if you break it up a little bit and like throw some stuff in there, that's like, like the funny stuff, like somebody throwing their bike or somebody totally eating crap or yeah. somebody throwing a prank on somebody when you're on a road trip, you know? Yeah. That's like the stuff where people are like, Oh man, that, that was pretty funny. Like, even though you don't, it's like you don't have to be totally into BMX to get it. Yeah. Like, everybody sees a backflip on a video and you're like, oh my god. Like, the average person's gonna be like, oh my god, a backflip. But, like, for me, when I watch a video, if somebody does... Just a straight backflip, you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, like, everybody's done one. But if I see somebody roll up to a ledge and pop on the ledge, do a foot jam to, like, an ice pick on it, like, to me, like, that kind of stuff's cool, like the little jibby Te stuff. Tech riding does not appeal to randoms. Yeah, and I don't know why. Because I don't know if it's just like I, the... I don't think, because there's no flash to it. Yeah. You know, like, it doesn't have an un like a universally understood thing going on. Yeah. And the intricacies are lost when you're not intimately familiar. Yeah. Um, I think the same thing comes down to sports and, and stuff too, you know. If you watch like boxing or something you know you you understand it if you just watch it and you've never watched it before you understand at the base level like okay that guy getting punched in the face is probably losing yeah but at the end of the fight maybe he comes it back in last round knocks the guy out yeah and you're like oh okay 
And later you realize all he was doing was just kind of rocking with the shots. Wearing the guy out a little bit. Wearing the guy out a little bit, and he's playing the technical long game. Yep. And, like, technical is not fun to watch a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, It is when you understand it. Yeah. I know a lot of the MMA stuff, you know, people that get into, like, clinches and whatnot, and, you know, it's just a ground match. Yeah. And, to, is, and to people, they hate that, too. No, they people hate it because it's when not When you're rolling around the ground, it's not, like you said, it's not the flashy, pizzazzy stuff. Yeah. But you ev- don't realize everyone the Everyone wants workings. to watch the KO. Yeah. And even people that love it and know every intricacy love watching the KO. But they're watching it because they want to see how technical you can get. And yeah. Like, you know, how you're performing. And a KO is just a KO. Yeah. I think the whole the whole reason why I think he even got into the whole BMX thing in the first place is because there's no... You, you can have competition in BMX, but to me, I feel like it was like there was no stress. There was no, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything a certain way. Because yep. I'm goofy footed. I ride my pegs on my no, driver's we should, side. We should have just not even had this whole conversation then. Should have just said no podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like everything, everything about it is like, everything that I do is like, like taboo-ish in a, in a sense, you know? And But it's all fake rules. Exactly. None of it matters. That's what the glory of it is. There is no rules. And I try telling people, if somebody... If somebody rolls out an Indian giver every time, okay, who cares? That's your that's your style. That's well, how you ride. And There's no rules to it. Especially if you're not filming a part or something. Like, yeah. if you're filming, you're going to make a little bit extra effort to do it proper yeah. and have it look good. Yeah. But the reality is, on a daily basis, just riding, we pull some of the worst-looking stuff. Yeah. And we laugh about it, and, like, we're not filming anything. That counts. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It counts. I landed you know, it. If you hop and you have to do 14 safety hops out of it <laughs> to get the opposite way again, then who blow cares, a, you know? Blow a foot off the pedal, ride away one-footed. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't put it down. It's yeah, just, it doesn't it matter. It wasn't on the pedal. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference. And I've always kind of hated the whole aspect of... You can always tell whenever you go to a skate park, you're at a street spot, you can always tell the guy that wants to be, like, the alpha BMX rider, Mm -hmm. and I could care less for that. Yeah. Like, if I go to a skate park, and let's say I do do a backflip at the skate park, I'm doing it because I wanted to do it, I think it's fun, all my buddies know that I can do it, I'm not doing it to show off for anybody, I just wanted to do it because they're fun. Well, it's... It's not like the first thing you do when you roll into the park. Yeah. That's the alpha guy thing you're talking about. Oh, there's a bunch of kids here. All right, first thing, backflip. Yeah. You're just like, woo. Yeah, you're like, okay, dude, I don't care. (laughs) Like, I'll roll, I'll do one, and then I'll see somebody else I don't know, and they'll instantly go and do one. I'm like, ha, yeah, I can do one, too. I'm like, all right, okay. Especially when people, like, just randomly will come up and... I had one guy at Imperial Skate Park, and I, I really wish I would know who this guy is now. I was probably 15, 16 years old, just starting to, like, get the hang of, like, riding, like, a good spot, like, a good skate, or a decent skate park, you know? Yeah. And this guy wanted me, like, he just kept bugging me and my friends to play him in a game of bike, and he absolutely obliterated us. Like, he was doing, like, double bar spin 180s over the spine, and at yeah. that point, we had just learned how to ride the spine. 
And the guy just like totally ragged us the whole time, you know. And to yeah. me, I was just like, hey, "Fuck you! I don't care how how good you are. I don't care if you care how good I am. I just want to ride my bike and have fun with my friends, and that's it. Yeah. I never wanted it to be a competition. I didn't care if my friends were way better than me. It was just something that I liked. So that's why I like when I go to a skate park. Somebody asks me to play a game of bike. I usually nine times out of ten, I'm like, "Nah, man, I don't want to play a game of bike. I'm just here to have fun yeah. and ride." I mean, now, if it's like my friends, yeah, I'll, like, I'll play with friends all day long because it's not about who's better at yeah, that point. Yeah, it's not it's a like, pressure thing. Like, all right, let's both learn a couple new tricks then. Yeah. Or, you know, I've been playing on and off, depends on who I'm riding with, been playing it a little bit differently where you actually want the letter, but you have to mutually agree on a trick ahead of time. Okay. So it's kind so, of like a calling the shots so, type of thing. Yes. But it, you're always calling a little bit above where you can actually do consistently. Okay. So you'll you'll agree on the trick, and then you go for it, don't get it. I go for it, don't get it. And this repeats until one of us gets it. Okay. Then, let's say you got it first. If I get it, you got to get it again. And it's the first one to mess it up now. Okay. So it becomes a consistency game. So these games generally take a long time, but it's really fun to play at a little bit level, like a level a little bit above yourself, and then to turn it into how how consistent can you be with what you just kind of learned. Yeah. And that's cool because, like, when you're with your friends and, like, it it doesn't feel like a competition. It just feels like you and your buddies are just messing around. And if... You never get the trick, it doesn't matter. But if you yeah. do get it, everybody's excited about it. And they're like, oh, dude, that's awesome that you learned that. I can't believe that, like, two years ago, you never thought you could have ever done that. Now you're doing it every other try. Yeah. You know? And for me, like, when I, some of my best sessions have been whenever me and my friends have just been like, hey, man, can you do that? Have you ever done that before? I don't know. Let's let's both just try it yeah, until one of us gets get it, it first. You know, but see that's exactly what it is, and it's just turned into a game. Yeah, and there was a there was a game that the snowboarder started. I don't know the game like completely, like the specifics of it, but it it kind of went like so: you rochambeaued, and then whoever won had to call a trick for the other person, and they had to do the trick, but for it to count, you also had to do it as well. So say. I told you to do a 180 bar spin and you messed it up, then I would have to do it. But if I messed up, then I would get a letter because I was the one that called it out and I didn't complete it, you know? So, so the only way so for you to score, it, the only way for that person weird. to score is like you have to, you have to back it up. Like if you call them out a trick, you also have to be able to do it as well. I, I don't know exactly. It's weird that you'd play it that way because it's yeah. the same as playing it like regular bike or regular skate or whatever but just but reversed you, yeah because if you don't get it why like if you didn't get it why would i even have to do it yeah exactly it's weird that i would even have to try it first like yeah. that game doesn't really make sense kind of offhand there yeah but I, I get what you're saying but that's just kind of how they played it and i thought it was kind of I funny guess, how it was like reversed around a little bit just a different way of playing it's it. cool in the sense that it makes you try things yeah because otherwise, you know, if I called something and didn't land it, you're just not going to try it. Yeah. 
but think, it would make you try it before it's determined whether it counts or not. Yeah. It was kind of like, I guess it's like a mixture of like calling the shots, but you have to land it. Like, yeah. Or you don't. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty weird stuff. The other thing I've always thought with playing games of bike is if you won't even try it. Like, people are like, nope, I'll just take a letter. Just take the letter, yeah. No, you just lose. You straight up lose. I don't care if that's a B. Like, you have, like, it's like a do or die thing. Like, at, well, at least roll in, you know. Give it, it a thought. If it was supposed to be a tail whip over a box jump, like, at least do a one footer and pretend like you're trying to kick it. Yeah. Or, like, say, you know, if, hey, can I do it out of a fly out? If you're just going to sit on the deck and take a letter, why why did you even want to play in the first place? Yeah. See, I get, like, amped up sometimes because that's what gets me into that mindset where, like, normally if I'm just having a chill session and I'm, like, I'm really thinking about doing something, but then I don't end up doing it at the end. But if you see somebody do it before you and there's something on the line, you yeah. feel like feel like man he just did it i'll just get in that mindset i'll just go for it what's the worst that can happen yeah opposed to just saying nah not today i ain't gonna do it i'll just take a letter because i feel like even even then you at least get the feeling of maybe how to do it yeah like there's like a couple wall rods that i'd like to try and i've been kind of wanting to follow somebody through one but i feel like if you just take the letter, like say somebody did a gnarly wall ride, and yeah. you just take the letter and don't try, opposed to, let's say you try and you wreck, you at least get that first part out of your mind of, okay, the fear of actually going for it is well, gone now. Well, or at least, build. at least, like, pedal at it and jump towards the wall. I yeah. don't care if you land short and just land on the deck. At least you, like, made some effort. To get back for it. and do it. And we play, like... I go to Imperial a lot in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And there's all different types of riders there. Yeah. And when we play, sometimes, like, the bunch of us will get together and we'll play, like, giant team games of bike. And that's usually when the most fun happens. It's because yeah. somebody will set something that is super weird, but it'll get half the people out. Like, somebody that, like, barely is on anybody else's level. Like, somebody that's, like, on the, like, lowest yeah. of the totem pole will do something and get half of us out. That's the kind of, like, fun stuff that... That's... So, I was thinking about it when you're like, yeah, people that just roll up to the park and just want to play you and bike. I've... Because I drive a lot and travel a lot to ride, or did for a while, um, I'd roll up to parks all the time and... Just because I'm a little bit bigger, people would call me out to play bike all the time. Yeah. Like, you've seen how I ride. Some days it's, like, very cookie-cutter, like, park kid BMX rider. Yeah. Which you can tell that I've ridden trails there, or at least park a lot, because yeah. I can do tricks like Superman or just straight turndowns, anything like that. Or other days... I'll just do the weirdest made-up trick that you've never even yep. thought of, and I've got them unlocked, too. Yep. And I will always push back. Like, I really don't want to play bike, dude. I just rolled up. Like, 
Yeah. It's your local park. Obviously, you're going to win. And then I've won a good majority of those games. Yep. Just like, all right, you want to be a douche and do whip, then 180 whip, and then down whip because you found out that I'm not good at whips. Like, I could land one if you forced me to. Yeah. But I can't do them over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, I can't really do them at all since the ACL thing. Yeah. Like, I can't not land one because it really hurts. Mm. <laughs> so. And that's, like, the cool thing with everybody's, like, so different that you could think that about somebody. Like, there was this one guy that he absolutely killed it in the streets. Like, was an absolute animal. But if I would have judged him by the first time I ever seen him ride, because we rode, like, box jumps and stuff together, I would have never thought he was that good. Yeah. You know? It's just weird how, like, everybody... You could you could maybe think somebody's like not on your level, or you could think somebody's like not as good as you, which in the grand scheme of things never matters anyway. But no, it's like but holy it's cow, still, like still comes up. You can't ride a box jump, but you just did a truck driver so smooth first try, and could probably three sixty way bigger things than I ever will. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I think three sixties I've always struggled with. I can barely do a flat three sixty. Yeah, I can't. I can I, do it I, over a box jump. I can probably do like one and two, so I can do like every other time yeah. I can land a flat three. And it, this trick just kills me because I should be way better at it than I am. Yeah. I just can't. I can't do them consistent. And I'm the same exact way. I can, you know, I'll tell you that I can't do them. And then I'll do the most beautiful hop three you've ever seen. And you're like, yeah. what the heck? What, I thought you said you yeah, I thought couldn't, you couldn't do them. I'm like, I don't know, man. And then the next day, Try to I'll be riding it. in a parking lot and I'm like looping out and 270ing and pivoting, like 180 <laughs> pivot. And I'm like, how have I ridden for this yeah. long at, you know, not like great level, but I can ride okay enough that. You know, like, how can I not do this? Yeah. Still. (laughs) I I feel like I'm at the point now where I can... I'm not really, like, that good at tricks Mm -hmm. in particular. But I feel like I can go ride anywhere and find good lines and hit... Ride anything that's there. And have fun. Yeah. Like, I went to Changa and everybody was griping about how slippery it was, but... I could, so I, could I could ride it and I had a blast riding it. And that's where like you can like see where like some people just ride only one type of thing. Like you go to Imperial and everybody's used to you know, they're an Imperial local, they ride there all the time. Opposed to okay, you take them out of their element and then all of a sudden they're not used to it no more. And I think I've gotten past that where I can go to any skate park, mm-hmm. any different weird type of quarter pipe, any different weird type of ledge. It could be bumpy, it could be smooth, and I feel like I can figure something out. Slippery is not always a bad thing, no. either. Like, you can have a lot of fun with slippery. Yep. And, I mean, it's just, you know, you're going with a lot of Imperial locals, too. That ground is just really gritty there. Yep. You so can ride at, it in the rain, actually. You can ride it in the rain. At some, certain points, it gets real slick, but... 
yeah, for the most part, like it can be a light rain and you can just keep riding. Yeah. And you can carve the bowls as if they're dry. Yep. Because as it's soon like as the rain stops, walk. it will be dry. It's yep. all porous and it just so wicks the water in. away right away. Yeah. Uh, as far as like the Changa and stuff like that, it is just, it is real smooth, but it's also skate light. Yeah. And the same people love skate light. But they complain about how slick things are, and then they go ride the resi, and you're like, "That's slipperier even, than even slipperier than, than like." I think you're just complaining. Yeah, and I think that's like the the cool part of like going into a place because you go to a place and you're like, "Oh, this place is slippery, so I know I can try this. Like, I can slide something super far. I can mm-hmm. slide out. Like, I could do all these new cool slider tricks." Instead yeah. of just being like, okay, it's too slippery. I'm not going to be able to do a 360 over this pyramid without sliding out the bottom. Who cares? Do something different. You know? Try something. Or land it better. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But. So, yeah. I don't know. I've always found that weird, though. Like, complaining about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, not that we all don't do it. Because we all do it. Yeah. At one point or another, I know me and my friends, we all have our... You know, I like stuff that's full of transition, full of gaps, anything I can transfer. Like, I'll complain about Ray's. Ray's is so spongy that I can't ride anything there. The plywood's like it's super... It's so soft and yeah. spongy. You just, every time you go to pump, it's like you're riding Sinking a sponge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, and like, I feel like when I go... To raise, I feel like it's always way crowded because I feel like every time I go, it's on a weekend. Mm-hmm. I can't take time off work during the week, so yeah, it's always so crowded. But I still go. You know, I still like to go and go and ride it. It's just you know, it's just something different everywhere. Yeah, the wheel mill smaller. The wheel mill gets crowded too, though. Like, uh, I mean, you weren't there tonight, but tonight it was just packed. Yeah. But they've got that Ride Like a Girl weekend going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, you know, today and tomorrow, as far as I know. And then nothing next weekend and that I know of, but then they've got the Winter Welcome Jam coming yeah. up. And that, I'm going to have to make sure to get super early because the I haven't been in two years because last year I broke my foot, couldn't go. Year before that, something popped up at home, couldn't go. So I think it's been since 2015 was the last time I went there. And it was hard to get parked. Because I can't be there super early in the day. So by the time I show up around 4 or 5 o'clock, you're already screwed. Well, they they still have that back lot that you can park in. And I'm pretty sure that's where I parked last time. Depending on the weather, it sucks. Yeah. You know, I don't want to park and have to carry my bike through that muddy lot and then down the back alley and yeah. all the way around the park if it's pouring out or something. Yeah. The last, I think the last couple of years they've held it at the end of February, not at the end of January. Okay. Because I remember it overlapped my birthday and I would be like up home in New York. So you couldn't make it back. Yeah, so I wouldn't be here for yeah. it. But... Yeah, I mean, we're sponsoring the, the street-ish jam Yeah, this year. 
Well, that's gonna be cool. What time? What time does that start? Is that that's earlier like the in the first day? thing. Okay. Yeah, on the flyer, I think it's like a one thirty thing. Who all from like you guys' crew is gonna be out there for that? I have no idea. I I don't even really know what's going on fully with it. Yeah. Uh, Mike asked me if I wanted to sponsor it, and I was like, Yeah, I'm down. Like always down. Yep. Uh, but we have to call it Streetish because Grindworks already has a street jam. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of cool. That's like the uh, the street jam. I haven't got to make it yet. Yeah. But I always see all the clips, and I'm like, wow, that that shit's crazy. What's going down? Like, yeah. So I always get stoked on that. It's fun. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny that I actually hate riding in a group setting like that. Just because it's like too too much, or it's yeah. I just don't really dig it. But I like doing it for the scene. It kind of comes back to that conversation we were talking about before. You know, those street jams are not for me. Yeah. They're definitely for everyone else. Yeah. But it's cool because you you created it. Like, you guys are the people that brought everybody together to enjoy that. Even if you're not the guy that everybody's, you know, screaming and yelling for, hucking themselves down a giant stair you're the reason why everybody's there yep. doing that to begin with and having that fun. Yeah, know. and I mean, like, uh, I think Brad pushed me to do it a lot and Tyler, but Brad mostly was like, you got to do a street jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that would have been probably 2015. No, 2016 was the first one. Okay. I thought it was so, earlier than that too, though. So I, di- I didn't do it the first, like, I moved down in the middle of summer on 2014, met these people, so, like, 2015 came around, they're like, do a street jam, I'm like, I don't want to do a street jam. Yeah. And then, uh, 2016, like, do a street jam, I'm like, okay, fine. And they're <laughs> like, good, we haven't had anything since the Squid One jams, and I think it had been, like, nine years since the last one of those at that okay. point. They're like, we gotta have something. So, like, then the first one got, I'm gonna say, overly hyped. Because they're like, yeah, we haven't had anything since square one. I'm like, don't put that, like, level on this. Because you don't know what it's gonna turn into. Like, this could be a giant turd. Yeah. Or it could be the best thing ever. But it's also an entire decade apart. And it's not like... We're sitting here going, well, Square One hasn't done it, so I would just do it. It's just that no one's done it, yeah. so someone's got to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know what the future for that's going to be. We've kind of done three of them in a row, ran nearly the exact same route every year, which is fun, but I don't know what people want. Yeah. And I don't know where else we could do it that has that many spots that close together that you, you can have a bunch of people at. Yeah. Like, you can have 200 people at MLK, and 40 of them could be riding at the same time, not even in trains. Yeah. There could be sub-things going on everywhere. Yeah, and everyone gets to hang out, and everyone's stoked. Yeah. And then as soon as we leave from there, like, people aren't as stoked that's okay i mean i feel like um topic wise that's probably been burned out the last couple podcasts have talked about that but it's true um 
from the standpoint of like trying to do something else with it, I really don't know what to do. Yeah, it's kind of hard to make it different every single year when you're only limited to well, what you got. Yeah, or do you just take a break at that point? Because people aren't going to not come if they're like, oh, is it going to be the same jam as last year? Yeah. Well, of course not. People are going to be coming, like doing different stuff, but yeah, That's just like kind a of. mindset in the same way. I've had three jams. I had one at my local, which I hyped up. Mm -hmm. Try to get, I was like, I want everybody here. Like, it's gonna be crazy. Like, we'll see what this little park can, like, what the craziest thing that could go on this little park. And almost nobody showed up. Mm -hmm. But then I've had times where I was just like, yeah, a couple buddies. We had a, a box jump and a couple little plywood, um, like rail or a couple ledges, a couple rails in the neighborhood. Yeah. Everybody and her brother turned out for it. I barely did anything for it. It was just like, yeah, we're going to have a jam, mess yep. around, have fun. Everybody and her brother showed up and wanted me to have another one. When you have another one. Same with, I had uh, a snowboarding rail jam in my backyard. Okay. A whole bunch of people showed up. Didn't even, it, it was to the point where I was like, didn't have the parking for everybody. I was calling my neighbors and being like, hey, do you care if so-and-so parks their truck in your yard? Because I'm having a party down here and yeah. starting to get a little out of hand in my driveway. <laughs> but that time where I was like putting things on Instagram and had dates and I was going to, you know, I was going to buy everybody pizza and we brought food and we had, my buddy brought his uh, pop-up tent and had like a microphone and stuff. And it was basically just me and my friends and maybe like five or six people that showed up. Yeah. You know? And then all the other times were just like, yeah, I think I'm going to have something I don't know what the science behind it is, but planning. Like if people see stuff ahead of time, sometimes they write it off. And I don't know it's hard because as far as like planning an event, you need to give sponsors enough time to collect their thoughts, send stuff over, mm. hook it up, you know, and sometimes they got to pass it through management and stuff. So it can take weeks to get a sponsor lined up. Yeah. Uh, certain companies require a shop to place an order. So if we have a shop sponsoring, well, we got to convince that shop, hey, you have to place an order with company XYZ over here. And then they're sponsoring the jam too. Yeah. And sometimes that's really difficult to line up. Yeah. So there's a balance between how early you announce the jam and how long you wait to announce yeah. it. Yeah, because if you do it too soon, people get sick of seeing it all the time. They're like, man, these people are really desperate since they've been yeah. hammering you about this jam since six months ago. Yeah. But if you do it too late, then everybody's like, well, if you would have told me two months ago, I would have probably been able to make it, you know? Yeah, Oh, I would have had to take time off work. Yeah. I like see. I like getting that excuse though when it's been out for two months. Like, oh man, I, I wish I knew about it like two weeks ago. And I'm like, where the heck have you been? Yeah. Especially whenever it's been online everywhere and everybody's been talking yeah. about it. Because for exactly. me, if it's worth it, I will take off work. You know, mm -hmm. like Swamp Fest is one of those events where I know that I'm going to run into a lot of people that I want to see ride, and it's going to be worth it for me to go down there and basically just take a vacation. Yeah. It's not only the riding. I can go down there, hang out at the beach, 
go. Yeah, like you could take a whole week and go down and then ride all the different skate round parts. it out at the jam or yeah. start it out at the jam and then have a week after that yep. to do whatever you want. And that that's like when it's like worth it to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe like when you're having your first jam ever, people are like, "Well, is it really going to be worth me taking a time off for yeah. this or, you know, in that yeah. aspect of everything?" Well, it's it's tough cuz is it it's up to you. Yeah. You know, who's to say it's going to suck or who's to say it's going to be fun either. Yeah. But it, there's always the risk of rain too. Yeah. So that's And that like totally sucks cuz then you got people that came so far to do this and then you try to have it the next weekend and you have quarter of the people yeah right because everyone was like oh i don't know i can't do it now yeah okay and it's like a humongous investment too like you spend all your time planning the whole thing that's why i think like sometimes the ones that you plan the least for end up being you know the yeah. best one well you get the people that are just free right now and they're like oh yeah cool we had an accidental street jam out in Akron. I think it was this year. We went out there, just a couple of us. We just wanted to film some stuff and ride. Yeah. We like hit up a couple local friends, and they ended up hitting up all their local friends. And, and it turned into this just web effect, and we ended up having, I think, like 40 or 50 people out the street yeah. riding one day. That's so sick. And I'm like, this is insane. See, that that's like so cool though because whenever whenever i had that that like barbecue-ish type jam that's kind of how it was as well it was like a hey this person's free he's like oh dude my buddy would love to be there let's call him and then not only was there people there to ride we had a bunch of people show up to actually you know just hang out and watch which was cool because you know it's cool whenever you get recognition from your fellow peer BMX riders but when you get like recognition like outside of that and people are stoked on it as well it yeah. like makes it feel like even better in my opinion but yep so oh. I was just looking at my water cup like I wish I had more yeah I do think about it. <laughs> hang on a minute let's do this right in front of the microphone so it's really annoying Probably sounds like somebody's pissing in the toilet or something. A little aggressive and thick, but maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, are you still doing ATS then? All things shred? That is such a hot debate. So, I have a lot of people that keep saying, Jesse, if you make t-shirts or hoodies, I'll buy them. Jesse, if you when are we going to like get this revival going? But there's so many hollow promises and when and, I oh, I'll buy them and you're like, "Okay, well, I bought them and everyone's like, I don't have any money." Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's not even that, too. It's like I'll hit up people to ride all the time. The same people that always want to, you know, say, "Oh, yeah, let's uh let's get everything back together," you know. And it's like, I understand like it gets to a point where like you leave it, it's hard to come back and just be balls to the wall back into it. But for me, it's like, I just couldn't ever imagine leaving. So I know that I'm always going to be there. So if I could just find, if I could just get like the people that were initially involved back in full scale again, yeah. then maybe, because you know how hard it is to do it just 
one single person by yourself. Well, yes and no. Um, Grindworks actually started with three. And then uh, it's effectively two. Uh, myself and Cameron Turan. Okay. And he's still up in the Binghamton area. So he pretty much handled all that stuff up in New York. And I've been handling yeah. everything down here. And it's worked out for the most part. But, yeah, I mean, like planning jams and stuff, there's a lot of that that's just yeah. one person. Uh, he typically handles the New York one, and I handle, handle the one down here. So Okay. At least I'm not fully planning like two jams back to back. Okay. Or just we split the sponsors on them. Okay. But uh, that helps. But no, what I I guess the next question I was going to ask them based on how you were going with your answer there is have you thought about just kind of killing it and just doing something different Dude, on yourself? It's so weird you just said that because I was literally just about to say I've been wanting to just start. A whole new thing based off of like because see right now like the face of all things shred is is everybody that it once was and it's just not the same anymore and i figured if i start something completely different just kill it start completely over then whoever wants to join can join and that's not the face of it anymore like mm -hmm. and in some ways it'll be like almost better that it's if you just start something and it's just your deal, then you can work on it at your pace and do what you want with it. Yeah. And it's not like, well, are you guys cool with this or yeah? What do you guys want to do? It's, it's like, like it's you just, basically you. When it's convenient, you pull the trigger and you go. Yeah. And if it's not convenient, you just throttle back. Yeah. I was dabbling around with ideas and like my whole neighborhood is built on a giant hill so i'm like in this weird spot in beaver county where two minutes you can be in town two minutes you're in the suburbs and two minutes you're in the complete middle of nowhere in the country and everything is like on a giant mountain so i've been thinking about maybe starting up something like i was thinking like hilltop like hilltop brand or hilltop or mm -hmm. something I don't know something with hilltop in it since I live on a giant hill yeah and that's kind of like what we based everything off of was my whole neighborhood basically being a bunch of skateboarders and BMXers and, yeah you know so I was dabbling around thinking about that and uh I think if I can get an edit put out of myself I think that'll kind of help me get the motivation yeah I would figure out your branding first because you might as well use your edit to just kickstart it yeah like, kind of, like, I kind of wanted to, like, make a little bit of product and then me wear it mm -hmm. in some of my edits or something, maybe. So, um, I could not remember the name of it off the top of my head when I was talking to Jake last week, but I looked it up and I sent him the information. Um, Teespring okay. is a website that... If you don't necessarily want to like invest on the front end of buying shirts and everything, you can upload your design and they'll they'll make and print a one-off shirt for you. Okay. And for anyone that orders it, so like that, it's just your web store is through Teespring. Okay. And then, if I want an all things shred or a hilltop or whatever shirt, 
I go on, see what you've got available, and I order it, and they print it and ship it direct to me. And you so might, you don't have you a might shit ton get, of copies. Well, you might get like a dollar or two out of that whole transaction. Okay. They give you your cut, but it's not like you're buying a hundred t-shirts at a really good price and then selling them for a fair price. And then maybe selling, right? Not even right. knowing if you're going to sell all of them or not. Right. You're just selling. You're just getting paid on what yeah. they print. And I feel like at a startup level, that's amazing. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I never even cared if it made me any money at all. To me, it's like just such a cool thing to go somewhere. Like whenever I would walk around and, and see all things shred stickers everywhere. Yeah. Or somebody in West Virginia would be on a job site and there'd be an all things shred sticker on the side of a backhoe somewhere. Like that was like the coolest shit for me. And I even remember when I gave you, I think I gave you like a stack of like 200 stickers and whenever you, you would get a bunch and I was shipping them out with different yeah. orders and stuff. So they're probably and, all over the country and people were hitting me up on Instagram. Like they would get like your order and they would like tag like me and whoever else you sent out with it. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like, Something that I created, something that I made, made it to California or Maine or Canada or like, yep. you know, just weird oddball places that like a, something that I made, is it's now there. Yeah. And that's what is like the most rewarding part of it for me is just seeing how it grows. And if it makes me a little bit of money on the side, cool. But if yeah. it doesn't, I never, I never started all things shred wanting it to be a money maker. I almost wanted it to be like something I could just be proud of being yeah. like, I grew this community or I grew a whole scene of riding and somebody back in a, like somebody 10 years from now have been like, Oh, I seen your part in the all thing shred edit mm-hmm. five years ago. And that's what made me want to ride. You yeah. Know? Something like that would have like got me like super stoked. But as for right now, just work and just growing up, it's just so crazy. I'm like in that weird stage right now where I'm like pretty much a full fledged adult now. Yeah. Kind of. Like it kind of sucks, you know? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point you transition from being able to ride for yeah eight hours every day to like, oh man, if I can catch an hour session tonight, yeah. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I think in a sense it's made me appreciate it more because mm-hmm. like. Whenever you could just go every summer day and go ride every single day, you know, you get burned out. Yeah, you get burned but, out and you take like a week where you're like, I don't want to ride. Yeah. But if I'm at work and I'm thinking about it all day and I know I can't ride for three more days and I just keep thinking all day, every day, what I can do, I feel like I get to the skate park and I'm fresh and I have all these new ideas and I go out and try more opposed to just going out for three hours every single day. You know? Yeah. Well, see, that's where you fall more into the category of, like, just going to the skate park, too. Yeah. If you're out every single day, you're just like, I don't really care. Yeah. Like, let's just go to the park. Versus when you're only getting limited time, you're like, all right, this is what I need to do. Like, I want to go ride this. I want to get this filmed, something like that. You're a little bit more uh, driven, I would say, to get certain things done. And then you will fall into the times where you're like, you know what, man? I've only got an hour. All I want to do is ride Imperial. Yeah. 
So I might as well, because that way it's like you know that you're at least going to get some enjoyment out of it. Like if you go and you take a day where it's like just a random adventure, you don't know, you might not find anything really worth riding or you might not feel like you accomplished anything in it. But then there's those rare days where you find something that you had no idea was there and you're like, wow, how did I not know this was here? This is perfect. And you end up sessioning it for three hours and it ends up being just like a, a skate park session, but out somewhere you had actually had to go look for it and work for it and find it, yeah. you know, which is cool. And I think I've been driving around a lot lately. I've been hunting, I've been wanting to find the perfect curved wall ride in the streets somewhere. And I thought I found one the other day. So I drove all the way back. I was at work and I was in our dump truck and I was going and dropping something off. See this beautiful curved brick wall ride. It's like this sign for this building. And I'm like, wow, I have to go check this thing out. Mm -hmm. After work, drive all the way there just to be disappointed to find out that uh, the lettering on it is like raised up. So it's like block lettering. So there's no so way to ride. You can't actually there. ride on it. I thought from the road, it looked like it was just in the brick. Yeah. Which, oh, man. Well, there's, been so there's at least two really good ones right in Pittsburgh. I know there's, the jail one. There's the jail one, and then right nearby, there's like a 90-degree one. That's that big one that wasn't... Didn't everybody ride it in the Anthem? Yeah. Like, yeah. they rode... I think uh, Brian Yeagle did that. He, like, wall rode it and then, like, nose manual... Or, no, he just jumped over a giant dumpster there. Yeah. Like, wall rode over it or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's that spot. Okay. That's like pretty close to the jail one. Have you rode that one? I actually haven't. I just know it's right there. Yeah. I forget what was what I was doing. We were at the jail one. And then my friends rode the other one. And then we linked back up. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so it's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, when did we all break off from one another? Yeah. And when did you guys go ride that one? Yeah. I, uh, I've been looking for, like, the Jersey barriers that, like, curve around a, a road. There's been so many of those that I've seen that I've been like, I wonder if I can just come haul an ass at that and just stick to it and go yeah, the whole take, way around take it. the berm. Yeah, like, just take it as, like, a giant berm. The one coming off the Highland Park Bridge, not that that's not a huge, busy road, but yeah. that is the sharpest corner I've ever seen. And, you know, it would be sick if somebody went out. My buddies have actually been doing that. It's weird you bring that up. My one friend who skates has been filming and photographing people riding highway spots lately like, busy-ass highway spots that they just randomly have been driving down and find, like... It's almost like when... You know, like, when you go under, uh, like, an underpass and they have, like, a big bank... Yeah. ...to maybe, like, there could even be a wall ride there? Yeah. Super busy highway. They just pull off, like, they go out in, like, the middle of the night when it's, like, super dead at, like, 3 yeah. in the morning, and they go out and they just film all these crazy highway spots, which would be cool. Because nobody yeah. else really does that, I don't think. Uh, well, I think that park coming off that highland park bridge to go towards the wheel mill from highland park bridge yeah. is, is the spot for that curved wall ride you're talking about are you talking like right when you get off the bridge it's like that super it's sharp super right you have to tight make 180 yeah see I don't, I don't know why i never noticed the wall there i never noticed the uh the jersey like barrier. how good it would be because for some it, reason. because it's almost two lanes deep yeah that spot for 
larger vehicles to be able to make that. Okay. So whenever you're taking it, you end you up so far away from yeah. the wall. Yeah, because, dude, I, it's funny you say that, because now <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to, like, check it out, because that's the way I go to the wheel as well. Yeah. Because uh, I have some friends that go through Oakland, but I always go just down 28th yeah. at Highland Park Bridge. But it probably is, like, the most perfect thing ever, and nobody's ever spotted it out yet. That's I only go that way when I'm coming from work. Okay. But normally, like obviously where I'm at here, I just you take just 376 go. into the city and yeah. drive through the ghetto. And how bad is it to get from here to the wheel mill? How long does it usually take you to get 20 there? minutes. Okay, so it's nothing really. No. It takes me... I think people always get surprised whenever I... Because like, I usually try to go up three or four times a week. If I come from work, it only takes me about 45 minutes, but if I come from my house, it's, it's an hour and five, hour and ten minutes. Yeah. Guaranteed every time. Just because there's really no... I live close to 65. Okay. I could go right down the hill and be on 65. But the problem with that is, is that it's so stop and go the whole way down. Red light, red light, red light, red light. Then you gotta worry, if you got a headlight out, there's cops to sit the whole way down it. Yeah. It's easier for me to head towards Warrendale, Wexford, hop on 79 and go down. So it's kind of like a little bit of backtracking for me. So usually, you know, takes a good bit. Yeah. But like people get surprised whenever I tell them I come an hour or so away almost every other day. You know? Yeah. And they're like, why? Because where else am I going to go? Yeah. What am I going to do? Sit on the couch? You are like super close to Wedgwood. Yeah. Because you're probably what? 40 minutes from Wedgwood would it be? Probably or would it be more like 35? 35, maybe? 40 I would say. Yeah, so I'm almost surprised you don't go there more. Yeah. I think it's just because I know everybody that goes to the wheel mill. Like it feels like a family there. Yeah. Like, I go in, I know everybody that works at the counter. I know everybody. I pretty much can guess who's going to be there when well, I go. And since they've revamped their pricing a little bit with the passes... Because yep. they've always offered, like, a season pass, mm-hmm. but converting it to monthly payments has been, I'm just going to say, a relief. Yeah. Because it's It's tough. not that big, giant, lump sum yeah, it's, bit of money anymore. It's tough to get three, $400 all available at once, but yep. to say, all right, 50 bucks a month for the next six months, like... And you can, you know break it up and it doesn't look yeah. as bad as that giant payment you know well, and plus on their end it's cash flow every month instead of like dry bank account yep so like it's got to be good on both ends there yeah instead of like october november when everybody would normally buy their seasons pass that's when they get the most revenue and then it planes out the rest of the time yeah that, that looks awful yeah on like business and everything on their book that's why i usually try to like I, I think I've completely quit really honestly buying too much online. I think I try to buy most of my stuff at the wheel mill just because I want it to be around yeah. as long as it can be so I have a place to go in the wintertime. It's been a while since I bought anything online, now that I think about it. Um, videos is about the only thing I generally order off of a website. Yeah. It's because where the heck else am I going to get their yeah. DVD or whatever. But 
uh, I talked about it on the last podcast, which hasn't been posted yet, with Jake, but we, like, I've, a lot of this equipment, just for doing this, I've tried to find locally, and it's hard. Yeah. You know, some places don't know what you're asking for. Uh, the one item I'm specifically talking about that I talked about last time was a simple audio cable for a gaming headset. Okay. That I wanted to be able to run it through the speaker and uh, headset. Yeah, speaker and microphone port on the computer, but it's a four prong gaming headset. So it's just not something that people so you commonly. Need, well, you need a splitter to convert it to the mic line and the headset line. Okay. And couldn't find it anywhere although every gaming headset at best buy for their pc stuff had it inside of the box i'm like but you literally have them yeah and next to it you have the one that takes the two separate lines and converts it to a four prong you don't have the other splitter yeah and they're like no like you sh- you're just gonna have to order it off amazon i am just gonna like, find it online okay Everywhere I go is telling me to order it from Amazon. Yeah. And uh, getting back to the thing we were talking about earlier where, like, if you don't like somebody, I won't buy from them. Our local bike shop, I live five minutes away from a bike shop. If I wanted, there's been times, and I'm not even kidding you, I needed a, I think my, my seat clamp broke. And I drove all the way in Howard to the wheel mill to buy a seat clamp, and I could have drove five minutes down the road. To get one, just because I can't stand our local bike shop. I mean, I have a bike shop right here, too. Like, you passed it on the way in. Yeah. And I just can't. Same, same deal. You know? <laughs> like, th- this guy, he's one of those people where he's just in it for the money. BMX, to him, is just a bunch of troublemaking people. And it's just like, his bread and butter is selling hybrid bikes to old people that are going to come back in a hundred times to say can you fix my brake cable yeah yeah can you tune this up for me can you tune this up for me or he wants that it's shifting funny that fat boy (laughs) that fat tire bike and the mountain biker is going to come in and say you know i haven't lubed my chain up in 13 years can you lube my chain up every week for me (laughs) for 60 bucks you know i think i got when i was a kid I broke like three or four spokes and I was young and we took it over to his shop just to get trued up. And he charged me like 45, 50 bucks for like the whole thing, which to me was a little bit, you know, steep for yeah. just truing a rim, you know? I don't know. Well, uh, these guys up here, not at that location, but at one of the other locations, I needed spokes to build new wheels and I'm like okay do you have any of this length I think like 194 or something they're like no but this location cuts them so you can get whatever length you need yeah I drove all the way to that location thinking that I'm gonna get normal price spokes or at least reasonable and they're like oh we only cut DT Swiss spokes they're a dollar fifty a piece. Ooh. I needed to build two wheels. Ooh, wow. I'm like seventy two spokes at a dollar fifty a piece. Like, yeah. shoot me. 
No. Yeah. I'm like I'm ordering that common link. Yeah. So. And so, like, they just find, like, some of them guys, like, it's it's literally just a business to them. They have no attachment well, to the you actual... You know what? I, if I only needed one or two to, like, replace spokes, I wouldn't bat an eyelash at a dollar fifty a spoke. That's mm-hmm. no big deal. But to build a wheel that way, you're just selling high-end spokes, but what's the point? It's a BMX wheel. Yeah. But carry on. <laughs> there was a guy in Wexford... He and his brother had a shop, and he was actually a pretty good guy. I don't really think he was, like, too into BMX. I think he had raced when he was a kid, so his BMX selection wasn't, like, anything crazy. But anytime I had, like, something, like, super jacked up that I couldn't figure out with my bike, I would take it to him, and half the time he wouldn't even, like, charge me. Because, like, I would go in every now and then and buy, you know, if I needed a big pack of tubes, I would go in and buy all my tubes there or go... I need a thing of wheels or uh, tires. I would have him order it for me. So like, mm-hmm. if I brought something in and I was stumped on it, he was one of those guys. He just couldn't feel charging me for something stupid that I just couldn't. I just didn't realize. And he's like, "Oh yeah, this is what's wrong." Boom. Yeah. Thanks. See ya. You know, opposed to going over to Beaver to Snickers and him being like, "Oh well, you see, I think what's wrong here is that the whole bike exploded, and you need to buy a new hybrid mountain bike." That you're gonna bring back here every day, yeah, for no. a tune-up. You know, I'm like, no, I don't, don't want to do that. I just want to ride my BMX bike. Yeah, I, I don't think you're understanding. Yeah, like I just, and then I, I broke a, I broke a. Oh, I'm drawing a blank right now. Brake lever. Okay. And he tried like. I was like, yeah, I was like, I just need a brake lever. And he's like, well, this one won't work. It's too long. I'm like, what do you mean? It's just, I just need a brake lever. He goes, well, the BMXers ride the short one-finger cables. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, you know anything? Like, people, it doesn't matter. No. Just give me that brake. I, I don't know anyone that's bought a gold finger lever like he's yeah. talking about. And he's since, like, that's like, what the BMXers ride. Since I can early order 2000s. You know? And he's like, I can order one for you. And of, of course, it's more expensive. You know, yeah. trying to get you to buy the more expensive shit. I'm like, dude, I just need a brake cable, or I just need the lever, man. Yeah. I don't care if it's short, long, big, small. Just give me something I can squeeze and it'll stop my bike. You know, yeah. I just hate when people try to like belittle you, belittle you like that. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Like, dude, I don't care. Yeah. Just give me whatever you want. You, you know, you don't know what you want. Yeah. Like it's just I've always rode the same. It doesn't matter well, to me. The problem with that is not you. Like, you can deal with that because you know what you want. You can be like, look, man, just give me this. Yeah. The problem with that is families that go in there and don't know what they want. And he's pushing that same thing to them. Yeah. And that's what he thinks. Since it works with whoever comes in, you know. Yeah. Especially if you don't really know or care about the BMX scene that much. Which surprises me if there's not a, a lot of strictly BMX shops around as well. It's, it's because, think about the way that companies come out with custom colorways and everything all, every month. Uh, let's use just Odyssey Twisted PCs, for example. There's like a fresh new colorway on those pedals every month, if not multiple colorways. Mm-hmm. So... 
how can you exist as a shop if you have to keep up on every existing colorway as it comes out and nobody's buying them and you're not selling enough of them and as soon as the new one comes out your stock is now obsolete yeah. uh, and then you multiply that across more things than just Odyssey Twisted PCs Yeah, it's every part and every frame if it doesn't come in the right color I don't want it then I'll just order it Yeah, you're like I see what's happening and it sucks I've always joked with the Grindworks pegs, like, well, they come in black, but Krylon's pretty cheap. <laughs> if you want something else, here's three bucks back. Go buy a can of spray paint. Yeah. That's, like, sometimes I, uh, I wonder why some of the shops don't push both, like, a lot of people want the mountain biking stuff. I get that, but why not push them both? Like you're gonna get money out of it either way, in my opinion. Like if you push the BMX thing, no matter what, you'll 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 make money off of it. You know, like it's not like yeah, it's not like you're not gonna ever sell a BMX bike. Like people are gonna look at a mountain bike and go, okay, I don't want to spend three thousand dollars, but here's a complete for three hundred bucks or yeah you know it's never going away like bmx ain't ever going nowhere i just think it's like maybe too saturated with i think it's hard for a shop that's not intimately involved already to know what brands to carry yeah because a shop that hasn't been paying attention if they go stock up on haro completes they just threw all their money away yeah i mean parents might buy them but even the parents that would have grown up on Haro at this point would have been like our parents. Yeah. Not us. We didn't and that's grow, funny you say that. We that's didn't what, grow up on Haro. That's what that bike shop carries mainly, BMX-wise, is Haro's. Mm-hmm. And like, at this point, if you're a bike shop and you're not carrying, like, Kink or Cult Completes or Sabrosa, you're messing up. Yeah. fit you know if if those aren't your go-to's that you're repping in your shop um and i'm gonna lean towards kink on this one because i have friends that work there and i have friends that work at shops and uh -huh. those are the best selling completes that they get yeah or kink they're a little bit cheaper and they're easier to move off the floor than any other completes they've had but if you're stuck on, you know, oh, we carry only red lines or we only carry RO, well, I hate to tell you this, but that's not what people want. That's not what kids want. Yeah. And you're just at the tail end of a generation where, like, that's what the parents grew up riding. Like, when I'm going to be buying my son his bike, like, I just got him a strider. We've got him a strider. My buddy actually bought it for him. Okay. Like, he's on a Strider, but when it comes to a bike, I mean, I'm not going to be looking at Haro. Yeah. Because that's not what I grew up on. Mm -hmm. I grew up on, like, my first bike being an FBM. So I've been on FBM, then a whole bunch of other stuff since then. 
but I'm going to look at current brands. Yeah. Although it helps that I've been involved. Like, I've never been away from it. Yeah. So it's like, you know exactly what's mm-hmm. the end thing, what's... That's like me. I My first... I consider my first real BMX bike, my neighbor in 2005 bought the first complete fit bike you could have. And I had some, like, janky mongoose bike, and he sold that bike to me. He sold his fit bike to me because he was kind of getting out of it. You know, he was getting older. Yeah. He sold his fit bike to me. So that was my first bike. So for years, just because I had always had fit bike and my neighbor, you know, I looked up to my neighbor. He was like the coolest guy I'd ever known. I was like, I'm always going to buy fit stuff because of that. You know, I, I grew up with everybody in my neighborhood riding fits pretty yeah. much. Fit and Eastern, but that's a whole different topic there. But I like Eastern. Yeah. I've, I've got nothing but good things to say. I mean, I've... Uh, and I know that that's odd yeah. for someone that has so many problems with so many bike parts. Yeah. But I, I've always had good luck with their stuff. My last complete that I ever bought before I started just building my own bikes was an Eastern Mothra. And I never had any problems with it. Besides, I broke the forks on it, but... Yeah, but I had been complete ridden, forks. They're complete forks, and I had been riding them for three years. They had been stretched beyond their means of, mm-hmm. you know, I'd probably case 15,000 box jumps at that <laughs> point. <laughs> they were, it was their time to go. My only comment that I'll make about Eastern at the, at this point is they don't do a good job marketing themselves. No. So like cult, for example, they could have the exact same bike branded cult and branded eastern cult is gonna hype everything up market the crap out of it kids are gonna break it and cult's gonna keep hyping themselves and it's just gonna get brushed under the rug that all these parts are breaking yeah eastern just doesn't do a good job of marketing themselves uh i don't know if it comes down to team or the people putting hype behind it, um, but like, didn't they if, have a deal at one point? Weren't they? I want to say they were like they had their bikes in like a big time place at some time. Like I don't want to say like Walmart or Target, but I want to say like they had like a, maybe a deal with Dan's Comp or something or or somebody. I thought because for a long know. time everybody I knew had one. Like every complete well, they, ever was a Eastern. And, they that were, I could see. They were readily available for a long time, yeah. But, I see, I think the complete thing for all these different companies, completes are what make or break them. Yeah. Because if you don't do a good job hyping yourself and keeping yourself relevant, the, the, all the parts that are breaking are just going to get talked about and not swept under the rug. Yeah. And I feel like that's what happened to them for a while. Yeah. And... You know, they, they've always been good to me. I like their parts. I've run their parts. They might have my favorite cassette hub I've ever ridden. Really? Which one is that? The Birectional. Okay. My buddy had that. He it, had a complete that came with it on the rims. Yeah. The aftermarket one, I don't know if it was any different than the one that came on the complete, but okay. I loved that hub. Yeah. 
Uh, it was so good. Wasn't that one of the first ones that was like you could flip? Yeah. To side to side. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually instead of having like the tapered teeth where they come to a sharp point, it was square inside the driver. Really? Or inside the mechanism. The driver just locked in. Okay. And it was really good. See, I never rode any aftermarket Eastern stuff, I don't think. I'm pretty sure I had I've had two complete Easterns in my life. And like I said, pretty minimal problems out of them. Yeah. You know? I mean, they're completes, completes are their are own complete. thing. They're completes. They're they're meant to get you into BMX. They're not meant to last forever. They're meant to, you know, get you in. It's a cheap. It's your cheap way into BMX. It gets yeah. you riding, and then it hopefully gets you to the point where you love it so much that after you destroy the whole complete bike, that you go back to that company and say, okay, I don't want the complete anymore. I know I'm not going anywhere in BMX. This is my hobby now. Yeah, give me what the best you got is now. Well, and a lot of the shops, I feel like, should probably do a better job of explaining that on the front end, too. Like, look at this is a complete bike. You're going to pay this much up front for it. In the next year or two, you will be upgrading forks, you will be upgrading cranks, you will be upgrading bars. Yep. And... There's just no way around it. You're going to have to do it. Yeah. Um, after you've done that, you might want to consider buying a new frame. Yeah. Like, all of these parts are meant to get you in, and I don't feel like they do a good job of explaining that. Yeah. And it's like, another thing is, is that some kid, there might be, you take five kids, they all get into BMX at the same time. Two of them might not ever put that complete under any stress to the point where it could last them forever the way they ride it. Yep. And then you could have the other two or three kids that progress very quickly and within a year have completely just mangled the bike. And I think that screws up with people too because somebody will be like, well, my son had that bike and it was fine. And then the other person will be like, oh, well, my son had that bike and it's destroyed. And nobody realizes that like, the level of riding that you're putting your bike through is also the giant factor of yeah. whether something's going to last or not. You have the best parts in the world. If you're hucking down a giant staircase all the time and that's your type of riding, you're going to be replacing stuff. Yeah, it's just not going to keep working for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've i seen in that all the time. And there's nothing you can do about it, too. And it's tough with parents, though, because they don't see what their kids are doing with these bikes a lot yeah. of the time. A lot of the time they get dropped off at the skate park and the parents go and go get food or something and when they come back and they're like how did I spend 350 bucks on this complete and all the spokes are broke out of it. Well, yeah. he was trying to grind the end of a rail slipped off and ripped this whole back axle out, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, something stuff happens. Yeah. Or you know, he landed flat over the second box at the yeah. wheel mill. Like, yeah, his fork is laid out <laughs> yeah. because he landed flat. Yeah, it's just like driving your car. You hit a giant pothole and you bend your rim up on your car. You know, it's the same thing, you know. Yeah. People just don't look at it that way, I guess. It, it You know, again, it's kind of the same as what we were talking about earlier. People that are in it and people that aren't. Yeah. 
if you don't see what's happening and understand what's happening, you know, if you they, if they don't see your kid doing backflips, they're like, how could you break apart? Yeah. I've, I've let kids ride my bike at skate parks, and within two minutes, I, I realized that it was a bad idea, because you just see them trying to hop around on it, and they're like, hopping like the the thing that like cringes me the most is like whenever somebody would like hop on my bike and like at the skate park there's like in between the the mini and the ground of the mini somebody tries to hop on it and they don't make it and they just smash your back tire into the uh like the right on the metal edge, edge. Right, yeah right onto the sheet metal engine it makes me cringe so many times because i'm just like oh man i shouldn't have let them ride that but I seem like a dick if I don't, you know. I'm just like, yeah, whatever, you know. To me, it, a bike's a bike. I don't let anyone like, ride my bike. Yeah. But it's it's not about that. It's because you let one kid and then everyone wants to yeah. do it. And then you end up in a sketchy part of town and you're like, no. I yeah. just, like, it's just easier to say, I don't let anyone ride my bike. Yeah. It's mainly just at my local. And, like, if there's just, like, two or three kids yeah. there. And if they seem like an all right kid, you know, then well, I'm yeah, like, there's yeah, always gonna... there's always other times and reasons yeah. for whatever but you know if some kid comes up to me and he's just all ghetto and talking just you can just tell i'll be like nah man i don't wanna yeah don't want you to ride my bike but don't want anyone riding my bike i let you ride my bike one time i probably broke it no you didn't uh you wanted to ride it because you didn't have brakes on and you wanted oh, to try yeah, I was doing the you pivot were, 540. You were doing probably. that pivot 540, and it looks so sweet. They're fun. And I, I couldn't do that to save my life. But I need brakes. I actually I have a frame right over here that has brake mounts on it. It's my old one. Dude, got to put some brakes on That me. whole bike is my old one. you don't ride brakes. That's my whole old bike. That's my frame. All those parts are going on that. Okay. I'm so like with your style, cause like you like doing all those like super techy jibby stuff. I'm surprised you don't ride brakes more. You know, I do when I have ride trails, but the only thing I like having brakes for is abubicas. Yeah. And I hate having them for bar spins and see, yeah, that's anything like that. Pain in the ass for sure. So, like I learned them with brakes. But then I've ridden brakeless for so long that to put them back on, I just hate it. I rode brakeless for. And like, I feel like the trade off of a, a Bubica's being fun is only cool for like an afternoon, and then I'm like, all right, please take these back off. Yeah, because it like takes away more than what you gain from it. Yeah, yeah, the gain is minimal. Yeah. See, I the only tricks that I've lost from putting my brakes back on, I was doing the like air to fakies and I was doing like a lot of like bar to fakie mm-hmm. and tuck no hander to fakie if I would try to tuck to fakie on a big quarter pipe every time I accidentally grab my brake and when I land I just instantly smash my head yeah. same with the bar spins they're good for whenever I do bar taps because I've gotten good enough where I bar and I instantly grab the brake so like when I land I'm tapped brakes grabbed everything's good mm-hmm but like on a straight bar spin over a box jump, I've lost the confidence that I once had to, to do a big bar spin. Brake. To <laughs> accidentally just grab the whole brake handle and just completely die at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. So in that aspect, I've lost. Like I don't do tucks over bar over uh, box jumps as much. Yeah. 
like I don't really take my hands off as much now with the brakes, but I feel like I've gained a lot more control over like some of the transfers I would do. So I noticed whenever I was not riding with the brakes, if I tried to do a transfer and I couldn't cut one way or another, I would end up like dying over the edge of something. Yeah. Or if I couldn't turn fast enough, you know, I would smack into the face of something else. But with the brakes, I can land and have that control to get turned around the right way, you know, whenever yeah. I'm, like, crossing through lines and stuff. So, I don't know. I don't see me taking them off. Maybe, like, if I do an edit, maybe I'll just, like, take the brake lever off and just, like, tape it to the frame for a minute. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, who cares? Yeah. Brakes are cool. Plus, <laughs> oh, so it would be kind of funny if somebody noticed that, too, if I, like, yeah. took the brake lever off just for, like, one trick specifically in an edit, and people, like, notice it, like, tucked it's underneath still or something. There. You know? Be like, did you have to take your brakes off for that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm going to end up putting that whole thing together and have a bike with brakes on it. The reason I grabbed that frame from up home was so that I could ride trails again, possibly. Okay. I'm like right here in Monroeville. Yep. <laughs> Where are I've been there one time, but it was I was young and I didn't pay attention for shit. Yeah. Where I don't want to give away the location, but like I'll, where I'll is it? I'll tell you offline generally where they are. Okay. I'm not fair enough. Not blowing it up on here. Yeah, true. Uh um, I don't know what I was thinking on that one, but well, I mean, fair enough question to ask, yeah. but... No, Sometimes I forget that we're I'm being recorded you. right now. <laughs> I've been there one time, and I didn't have my bike. We just stumbled upon them. We actually found them on Google Earth. Yeah. Like, we were just scrolling through. We are like, I know they got to be somewhere around here. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can... It's not super easy, but if you know, you can find them there. Yeah. I think we just kind of knew the general idea where to look. Yeah. And... We You're just like, seen a field well, with like a path in it. We're like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be this. And as soon as we popped in there, it was there. Yeah. And then my friends had gone back once before and watched, uh, like Tim and Chris and uh, yeah. Eric and all them guys ride. But I, Tim's invited me out a bunch of times, and I feel bad because I just in the summertime I got so much stuff going. I mean, on, I it's never not make it super out. convenient to your part of town. Like, yeah. It's. It took me an hour to get out here. Yeah. You know. It's hard after a day of work wanting to make that commitment to come all the way back out, you know, yeah. whenever I could just go hit when it's, everything. It's two hours work. worth of driving for yep. you at that point that you got to write into your day. Yeah. Especially like you don't know because like I could drive all the way up here and it rain. Mm -hmm. Especially like after the summer we just had. Drive all the way up. Yeah. That, well, that was kind of a weird summer because it could be perfectly nice over here in Monroeville and just be absolutely downpouring yep. over at Imperial. And that happens at my local skate park more than anywhere else. It's just far enough north and it's just in this weird valley enough that the rain always hits there. I don't know if it's the big valley that like just domes everything in, mm -hmm. but I'll go there, ride for 20 minutes, it'll pour down rain. I'll go three mile down the street and everything's dry and it drives me nuts and it'll be like the sun will be like popping out yeah and i'll be like well it looks like i'm going to imperial or the wheel mill today you know yeah so 
Yeah. That and just like happened the other day oh, on that 60 degree day. There in the first place. Yeah. That 60 degree day we just had, like last week. Yep. I was like, get outside. You know, haven't rode outside in a while. Go to Braze Run within 20 minutes. It's soaking wet. Yeah. 60 degree day. What a nice time. Yep. Now it's like, it was 28 when I pulled in. And it probably had an inch of snow on the ground. Yeah. Would you say? I would say so. And then we've been talking for, I'm going to guess, two and a half hours or so. Yeah. So, on that note, there's probably like three inches out there. Yeah, it's probably to, I think the maximum they said tonight was three to four, so it's probably, my luck is probably five. We should probably consider wrapping. Yeah. Just because you've got a nice hour drive so. that could yeah. take two hours or more to get home. I told you to stop me, dude, because I'll just ramble on forever. That's fine. I, I don't, I mean, I'm just guessing that it's been that long. Yeah. Uh, I can tell her. I've been now. getting text messages from my girlfriend, I probably assume, probably wondering. Two, two hours, 48 minutes as Damn, of right oh, now. Holy shit. So, this is uh, the longest podcast we've had yet. God damn. Uh, by almost a full hour. Jesus Christ. We're just going to just cut it in half and just act I mean, like whatever. If, I had a heart attack in the middle of it and if, say I had to leave or something. If people uh, are stoked, they're stoked. <laughs> if they're not, I frankly don't care anyway. Yeah. I don't really care either. Whatever. But, um, yeah, I feel like, it, you know, there's no point in continuing talking right now when you should probably consider yeah. Hitting the road and thanks for uh, having me out the also for five I, and a half hours. I have to leave in seven hours. Yeah, that's probably a good so. reason to wrap it all up. So, <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um. Thanks for coming out. Drop your uh, socials, whatever you want people to follow. Um, hit you up so, on. if you've made it this long to the five hour and a half mark, uh, <laughs> you can follow me at J Steezy Her on everything. That's that's all my Instagrams and Twitters and all. Yes. So sweet. And then ATS. Uh, oh yeah, you can uh, follow it, all things shred. There, I post like once every two years on there. So if you want to check that out, there's a whole bunch of cool content that I used to make. So you can check that out as well. So and then uh, just keep up on his current stuff on Jay Steezier because if he does end up doing anything with with. Uh, hilltop or, yeah, or whatever you decide to start calling it'll probably be your new project yeah. or i'll just try to maybe use all things shreds instagram as the new as the new one. i don't know if you can possibly do that, uh yeah you can just change the name of it exactly i think that's what i'll do so if you just see all things shred change the hilltop real fast you'll know what happened all right that man. sounds like a good plan thanks all right a lot. well thanks for uh watching uh i'm gonna do the super douchey thing of like and follow and subscribe to Grindworks. Yeah, and you know if you don't already follow the Instagram, that's our real primary uh, social media. We have a Twitter, but Twitter sucks. <laughs> it does. There's nothing good on there. <laughs> uh, all it does is repost the stuff I post elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Facebook's all right. Sometimes I put unique stuff there. Uh, this is on the YouTube channel, and then we have a Mixer account that we kind of use. Mostly it's just game streaming at the moment, but still debating on doing some of these live. So you might want to hit that up too. Uh, 
grindworks underscore bmx on instagram twitter snapchat if you're feeling like blowing up my phone with your girlfriend or something yeah (laughs) or probably just your dick but whatever i don't care either one's (laughs) fine yeah everything's welcome here (laughs) uh then no underscore so just grindworks bmx on facebook mixer youtube and i don't remember what else because i suck at this vimeo no vimeo is actually under my personal that's where all the the jam videos and stuff are because youtube would kick them off for songs (laughs) i tried posting them on there years ago yeah but whatever vimeo is cooler youtube has a whole bunch of following so i gotta go with that yeah but all right, thanks for all right, uh, man. suffering through this. I don't know, dude. There was no, there was no suffering at all. <laughs>